time, we are back with the fourth and final installment of FFD 260 Redraft Rankings Roundtables. So far, we've broken down the quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers. Tonight, we'll be looking into the running backs. We have three FFD 260 writers joining me tonight. Fellas, introduce yourselves. My name's Mike Vanelli. You can find me on Twitter at MikeSports22. My name is Ben Sigler. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sigs247. At Siraco Soler. Uh, you can find me at C I R I A C O S O L E R. Make sure you follow these guys and me. I am the at home dad on okay. Twitter at FF at home dad. So before we jump into the running backs, I want to take a minute to tell you guys to go back and listen to the earlier episodes. And most importantly, leave us a review to tell us what you like and don't like. It helps the show out greatly. Also, I want to shout out Pristine Auction, the best in signed authentic memorabilia. They're setting us up with our latest giveaway, a signed DeAndre Hopkins jersey that is just so sexy. All you have to do is follow us on Twitter at FFD260 and follow the directions on the latest tweet. And you can always go to FFDynasty260.com slash giveaways for all the future giveaways that we'll be having throughout the year. All right, so we're going to be jumping into running backs. We're going to give you guys the top 24 by consensus, which is just the average of each of all of the FFD260 redraft rankings writers. And then we'll break these rankings down to put players into tiers because tiers help you make better draft day decisions and make sure you're getting value in your draft. So without further ado, let's dive into the running backs. Coming in in a very narrow uh, win, we have Todd Gurley at number one. Uh, Todd Gurley was the top running back last year, and it looks like a lot of people are kind of anticipating him staying up there. Sigs, you got him at one again this year. Why are you loving Gurley for 2018? Well, uh, I know there's a history maybe against him because a lot of times people don't repeat as a number one running back. It happens at wide receiver quite a bit, but not running back. Um, the way what I was looking at is he led the league in rushing yards. Uh, he was second in receiving yards, and he did that on 20 less receptions. He only had, and I say only, he only had uh, 279 carries. But what I thought was interesting about that was that was actually only good for uh, the fourth highest amount. So, I mean, he did pretty good or uh, did fairly good with, with a little bit less attempts than some of the other people did. Yeah. I think for most of us, this top rank is going to go pretty, this top tier is going to go pretty, pretty quickly because everybody has the top four guys all within the top four. It's just a matter of which one you like a little bit better. Rocco, I'm going to call you out here. You got Gurley at four. Uh, why do you got Gurley at four, sir? obviously that's a typo so i haven't won uh but uh, i i mean I, I couldn't even you know defend having met four i mean unless you just don't believe what you saw last year and you saw 20 touchdowns you saw people winning left we leagues left and right with this guy i mean you know uh i mean you know every almost everybody in every draft is going to draft him number one so um you know, maybe I have to go back and, and check my numbers. Maybe you need to do that because I'm looking at I'm looking at a four right here, Rocco. I mean, I, all right, so I'll go to me because I got him at three. My only thought with Gurley is I don't see him 
being able to maintain the type of success that he had. I think the Rams team is on the rise, uh, but I think he just had one of those historic years that everybody regresses a little bit from. And that's not to say that I'm dropping him outside of a number one running back. I have him at three. I just like the other guys slightly better because I feel like their workload is going to be a little bit higher. I mean, you have a top four bracket. and I mean, you can't go wrong with any of those top four. Yeah, so let's drop down to the next guy in the top four. Um, we got Zeke uh, coming in, consensus. Two, I wanted Zeke to be number one. I had him number one all the way up until this past week when um, his starting center, Frederick, got diagnosed with, looks like it's spelled like Jillian Barr, but Gian Barre, my doctor friends are telling me is the appropriate pronunciation. <laughs> I have to fade Zeke a little bit because of that, just because that offensive line is so dominant. And last year when you saw a major part of that line leave um, with Tyron Smith, it just became much more difficult for that offense to function. So I am giving Zeke a little bit of a knock. I had him at number one and then had to drop him before here. Um, fellas, what are you, what are you, what are your thoughts on Zeke? Well, I got him at four like you. And part of it is the concerns about the offensive line. Now with the Frederick issue, Zach Martin's battling a knee issue. Tyron Smith is poorly got chronic back issues. And I'm a little worried about the line as a whole, but I still had Zeke as my fourth running back prior to, because my, uh, Rankings are in PPR, and I like Bell, DJ, and Gurley. Zeke's not a PPR kind of catch monster running back. Um, he did move down my overall rankings from fourth to fifth behind AB and PPR because of the online issues. Um, but again, like we're talking about, these four guys are all top four or five picks in any kind of uh, scoring system. It's really just your preference based upon little nitpicks here, here and there. Yeah, and I, I was actually projecting Zeke to make an, a jump in PPR this year because I expect him to get more passes. Sigs, Rocco, you guys still have him at two. Anything you guys want to throw in there? If uh, Backing up just a second, too. I think I said Gurley led the league in rushing. He didn't do it. It was by like 20 or 30 yards. So hunt at it, but I don't want to start off on the wrong foot either. Uh, with, with Zeke, I, I mean, he was probably just in the bottom half of the top 10 and he didn't even play all the games. I think what did he play in like ten games with, with yeah, having to sit out and suspension? Yeah. So I mean, he, if you paraded his his points per game out, I mean, he would have been like the the second or third back. Uh, not to say that he wouldn't have a bad game or maybe get injured playing that many more games, but uh, I, I guess I agree with you that I think he's going to pick up some more receptions and pick up some more catches. Uh, and you know, I I think their line being so good in, in uh, Dallas, I know they're nicked up and dinged up, but I mean, he's at the top of this list for a reason. He's one of those guys where he can kind of be able to maybe play with one lineman playing subpar and, and not really affecting his game too much. They have a running quarterback, which opens up a lot of lanes as well. So, I mean, they're going to run the ball a ton. I mean, he's going to get the volume. So that's a volume play more than anything. But their wide receivers doesn't really feel like they're going to be throwing it a whole lot and if they do hopefully it would be to zeke and yeah it's a little scary there um so on to a guy that will get lots of targets uh who was the number one um reception leader for running backs last year uh Le'Veon bell comes in third 
Uh, Mike, you got him at one. I have him at one. Rocco, you have him at one. Sigs, you got him at three. How are you splitting the hairs on this one, Sigs? Well, I guess my feeling that last year when we watched Bell come back and everyone that drafted him started him right away because it's Le'Veon Bell, and then he put up a couple of subpar performances. And, I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of deja vu-ish feelings where, okay, well, they had the same thing with contract, couldn't settle anything, and and I don't know. I, I just this is one of those things too where any of these guys could be a scratch off ticket winner. And I just liked Gurley and Elliott just a, a hair better. I don't know if I can point to a stat or anything other on in all honesty, I think I probably looking back because I did these a while back. The the thing that probably hit me was he did have a lot of touches, he had a lot of carries last year. Uh I guess other than the fact that it's, you know, behind Gurley and behind Zeke, he could just as easily in some weeks he's going to beat those guys and some weeks not. So three is one of those things where it's doesn't mean he's bad. It just means I liked two guys better. Yeah, and just mentioning about his slow start, uh, his first two games he had 7.7 and 13.1 fantasy points. But that also came against Cleveland and Minnesota, who even though Cleveland is just was abysmal last year, they actually had a decent run defense. Yeah. And Minnesota just has a strong defense from sideline to sideline. So the first game of the year, I mean, you got months to plan for, for whoever you're going against too. Yeah. So I mean that's that's part of the reason why he probably came in slow. I kind of don't expect him missing out on the whole offseason to really hurt him too much. Mike, Rocco, anything you guys want to throw in there to uh, fortify the argument for why Bell should be number one? Well, for me, it was deciding between Bell and Gurley for the top spot. And what ultimately did it for me with Bell versus Gurley is I'm not concerned about him getting off to the slow start. Like you said, the first two games were against good run defenses. And then over the rest of the year, he averaged just under 25 PPR points a game. So I'm not worried about the slow start. You might get one or two games on the 10, around 10, and he'll pick off towards normal self. What sold it for me was his girly last year, despite the great year he had, more production of his points came from the touchdowns. He only averaged 23 touches per game compared to 27 for Bell. So I think Bell's just a tiny bit safer, given that we've seen him do this over and over again in three of the last four years, the exception of the year he was hurt. He has finished as a top three PPR running back. So he's just the slightest edge over Gurley for me because I think he's just slightly safer. I can see that. A little bit of a safety pick there. Um, and he's on one of the top offenses in the league. So, And that's always a huge plus there. I think you can – I mean, Dallas I think is probably the weaker offense out of those three guys. Um, but that should should still be all right. So another running back with a – offense in flux is david johnson uh we're a little bit more all over the place with david johnson um sigs you have him at the end of this four man tier at four so why don't you lead us off now this one was a little bit more clear cut for me where again he i kind of like going after him in leagues because i think people will go after these top three really hard um, so you can maybe have David Johnson fall if you can consider four falling. You know, with you look at their offense as a, as a depth chart on paper. Okay, they got Sam Bradford. You got to almost assume he's not going to finish the year, whether it's through injury or Rosen before his injury the other night. You know, maybe coming on, and then you got Rosen. How he might 
now that he might be dinged up a little bit, I'm not sure what his injury status was, but he might not be ready or maybe not physically ready, mentally ready. And then you look at, okay, well, he probably has more question marks or more things that would have to go right in his favor to help him be at the, t- at the top, the very top of this list and unseat one of these other three guys we've been talking about. Again, it's not really a, a fault. It's just that I, I kind of have these other three guys a little bit higher. I'd be happy with any of these top four or five guys. Yeah, I'm not worried about DJ's um, play this year. Coming off the wrist injury is a fluke thing. He's been healthy the rest of his career. And what really sold it for me for DJ to put him three over Zeke is the offense line issues for Dallas. And in PPR, DJ's going to catch you know, 70, 80 passes, which gives him a clear advantage over Zeke. And outside of Fitzgerald, the Cardinals don't have any proven weapons that you can say, okay, they're going to cut into Zeke's past, uh, targets. And while the offensive line is concerned, given the fact that he is going to catch so much, so many passes, I'm not worried about his yards per carry taking a hit or his touchdowns taking a hit because he's going to make up for it in the catches. Yeah, yeah. and I loved last yeah. year too where people would just be like, oh, he's injured. It's like it was his wrist, you know. It's not his leg. It's not an ankle, exactly. a knee, anything. It was a cons- wrist. You'd be more concerned if it was a knee or an ankle issue. He- yeah. yeah, legs are fine. Legs are fine. And, you yeah. know, David Johnson is just, you know, he's one of the best athletes in the league. I mean, at the running back position, sometimes you just, you know, he's just a great runner. He's a over 90th percentile and um, several di- I mean, if you look at his player profile, it's just unreal. And, and I've, you know, just the numbers he put up, 20 touchdowns a couple of years ago when he was healthy, that guy can win you your league. I mean, you, he's, uh, you know, he's definitely in the top four. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think anybody's really thinking David Johnson is going to be a bad pick for him at the top of the draft here. Because like you guys said, even the concerns about the injury, even the concerns about the offense, he should still be able to uh, overcome a lot of that. Uh, so let's move into our next tier because that top four tier is pretty pretty solidified. Uh, next up, we have three guys coming in. They all are between sixth and seventh um, in our consensus rankings. And the first one up there is Alvin Kamara at six. He's our fifth uh, running back coming off the board. Mike, you actually have him the lowest at seven. Uh, why the why the the hate for Kamara? I hate when you say hate. Like I think he's running back fifteen. Seven's not bad. <laughs> um, there's two reasons with Kamara. I think the other two guys have in this category: Gordon and Barkley. Um, they have less competition in the backfield. Barkley, nobody's challenging him. And Austin Eckler, while he's nice, he's not going to take snaps away from Gordon unless Gordon's dinged up or injured. Meanwhile, Kamar does have Ingram. And while we all discredit him because of the PEDs and the four-game suspension, he finishes the RB6 last year. Is he going to fall off a cliff and finish in the 30s? I don't think so. So even if he falls back into the teens or even the 20s, he's still going to cut into Kamar's workload somewhat. The other thing that concerned me about Kamar was his touchdown rate. He scored a touchdown on once out of every 15 and a half touches or six and a half percent rate. Now, if you look over the previous four years, no running back has averaged over 6%. And the closest was Jamal Charles back in 2014 at 5.7. If you take all the running backs during that time period and count the ones who had a 5% TD rate or higher, the following year, it drops back by two and a half percent on average. Now, if you take Kamara's 2017 numbers and just adjust the touchdown numbers to a 4% rate, he would have slid back to the RB6 in PPR. So I feel like his ceiling is not able to reach that top four, 
and I think there's some risk to him. It turns out he could fall into that back end of RB1, but I still think he's a lock for an RB1 finish no matter what. But people forget about the, the scenario where they had uh, Adrian Peterson there in the beginning of the season, so he he didn't really really come on to like the third or fourth game of the season. Yeah, but all the running backs the first couple weeks of the year, him, uh, Ingram, and Peterson all just struggled. It wasn't until after they traded Peterson that everybody kind of found their role and both running backs took off running. And from a coaching standpoint, I feel like Sean Payton in New Orleans just always has a running back by committee. Like even when he had Mark Ingram, who, and they still have Mark Ingram, he's just suspended for four (laughs) games. But when they had Mark Ingram and, you know, Tim Hightower on the roster, he still split carries. So even with Kamara potentially being the lead guy for the next four weeks, I don't see him ever being a, a bell cow. Like those first four guys are bell cows. Nobody's cutting into their workload. Whereas Kamara, I feel like he has all the potential to be in the top half of those RB ones. But the fact that we can't expect him to be that guy, that's going to get the majority of touches, the majority of receptions, just be the one and only guy on his team. I think that hurts him kind of more than more than anything here. I agree. They're, back to the Saints Super Bowl run, they've always had a dominant run game of more than one guy. And we don't want, this is going to rub people the wrong way, but Alvin Kamara is a super version of Darren Sproles. And they don't want to put 30 touches a game on him and wear him down. It's Sean Payton has said early in the offseason, Kamara's workload is not going to super jump up with Ingram out. They're going to use whoever they feel is the next best back, whether it's Jonathan Williams or Boston Scott, and give Kamar more workload than last year, but not throw 25, 30 touches a game on it in the first four games. Yep, absolutely. The next guy up is actually my my favorite to be a little bit higher um, because I think he he flirts with that workhorse role, um, and that's Melvin Gordon coming in at 6.8, our sixth running back off the board. I Like I said, I like him more than Alvin Kamara because of those reasons. Um, and it looks like all of us here, except for Sigs, have uh, Gordon at five. So uh, what are your guys' feelings on Gordon? Well, I think Gordon is underrated. Um, like you, I think he has, of this group, the most potential to jump into that first tier. And people underestimate Gordon because it's the same draft class as Gurley and Gurley had the great year last year and, and Gordon's good season got overlooked. But the last two years, Gordon has finished as the RB seven and five in PPR. And, you know, Austin Eckler's nice, but he's not going to cut his workload. Keenan Allen's the other, you know, alpha dog in that offense. And then after that with Hunter Henry hurt, it's a bunch of question marks. There's no reason why Gordon should not finish as a top five or six guy again this year. I would agree. I, I know I have him at six, but I mean, we're splitting here. If we put all ours together, it's five, 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 six. I just happen to be the one at six and I, I put Kamara up because he's going to have a couple more weeks where they can, Peyton can say he might not get more touches in those weeks, but there's going to be some day, games where they need him to be a little bit more explosive. And there's nothing wrong again with Melvin Gordon. Um, I just, I sometimes think he might need more carries to get some of his yards this I wholeheartedly agree though. This is one of the first years where he doesn't have like a, a Danny Woodhead or someone else that might come in to spell him a little more than just giving him a rest where he might stay in for a couple of series or in certain situations. But I definitely like Melvin Gordon uh, this year. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just one of a couple guys that are going to get that that top four of the top four guy workload. You know, he's you got to bet on volume with him. He's he's going to get the volume. He's going to get touchdowns. He's going to get catches. He's going to get carries. You know, he can definitely be a type of type of guy that can carry you. You know, as you're running back, you know, one or two to a championship. Yeah, and if you look at Gordon over his past three years, every year he's gotten better. He, yeah. He's increased his touches. He's increased his yardage. He's increased his receptions. He's increased his receiving yards. He's increased his his averages, uh, 3.9. And I think that's what everybody kind of kills him for, is that his his, his rushing average is, is tops out at a 3.9. But the Chargers also don't have a good offensive line. Like last year they finished according to pro football focus is the 24th best offensive line. And this year they're projected to be the 23rd best. So with a sub average offensive line, he's putting up really good numbers. If they can actually get, you know, Mike Williams to draw some coverage away and pull some, some, you know, some of the secondary out of the box, we might see Melvin Gordon increase his efficiency and become even better than what he was last year when he had, you know, 1100 rushing yards, almost 500 receiving yards and 12 total touchdowns. Yeah. The offensive line should be improved this year. as They get four slant back who tore his ACL in camp last year. That should help the offensive line, certainly. And the thing about Melvin Gordon that nobody ever mentions, he has back-to-back years with 12 total touchdowns after not having any as a rookie. If you're, you know, in standard scoring and you want those touchdowns, he should be the fifth, uh, fifth guy taking off of the big four. He gets you the touchdowns and the yards per carry. Like I said, with Lamp coming back this year, it should for the first time get over four. Yeah, and last note on Gordon, because I, I like him. I don't want to talk too much on him, but I feel like it's – public perception that if you have a you know a trash rookie year like you score no touchdowns like melvin gordon did that you're automatically labeled the bust and i think melvin gordon's a prime example of one of these guys who he showed plenty of flashes in his rookie year but just didn't actually get you know all the things that he needed and he got that coming back last year but then everybody still wanted to say oh well it was a fluke because his rookie year was so terrible and his touchdowns went from zero to 12 and yada, yada, yada. And then he does it again. And I can see him continuing, maybe not 12 touchdowns every year, but I can see him continuing to be a good running back, even though his rookie year wasn't, you know, phenomenal. So our next guy up is actually the number one rookie that everybody's going to talk about. And that's Saquon Barkley. He comes in consensus at 7-4, seventh running back off the list. And the end of this tier, I'm low on Barkley. So you guys have him at 6-7-8. and eight. Talk me through your love of Saquon Barkley. Well, the only argument I come up with against Barkley is he's a rookie. But as we've seen, rookie running backs come in and make an impact from day one. Last year, we had four rookie runners finishing the top 10 in PPR scoring, including two guys in the top four, and Huntley in the league in rushing. 2016, Zeke was in the, the RB2 in PPR and standard scoring and averaged a touchdown per game. While the Giants' offensive line isn't very good and there's some concerns that the right side's going to be a big issue for them, Barkley didn't have a great online at Penn State, and he still 
wowed everybody every single week. And given the fact that he can catch, again, in PPR, I'm not worried about his yards per carry being under four and he struggles between the tackles because he's going to catch 65, 70 passes. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not convinced. Rocco, you go. <laughs> passing is what's going to you know really set him apart you know running backs that can that can catch the the football you know that's the guys you draft at the top of drafts you know that, that that's the that's like the secret sauce you know a running back that can run between the tackles and catch the football and he might be the best pass catching back coming in the league that we have seen in a long time it's a strength of his and he's not just going to catch the ball he's going to catch the ball and shake a couple people and take it to the house especially like i said they passed on Darnold, who's looked Pretty well for the Jets in preseason thus far, and you got a lot, a lot of Giants fans who are kind of upset they passed on Darnold. And, and you know what? I get all of those things. I agree with the fact that they drafted him second. They're going to give him work. I agree with the fact that he is a, you know, he's a physical specimen. He looks good running between the tackles um, in Ohio State, and he, you know, catches the ball great. But if you watched him in the first preseason game, he had one incredible run and then three just blown up, didn't go anywhere. Um, Tried bouncing some runs outside that he should have just taken and run forward and gotten the three, four yards that were there. Uh, I think his final stat line was, what, four runs for, was it 31 yards or 41 yards? Eli played in those games or what? uh, I think Eli was his quarterback at that one, wasn't he? It was one of the earlier ones because he's also now hampered with a hamstring injury. So I, I, I'd have to go back and check to see who his quarterback was there. But I feel like that offensive line is so bad. But that's the smallest of the small sample sizes. You, you watched, you know, a little bit of preseason and he got hurt and he's out, you know, he's out till the start of the season. So oh, I'll, I'll, I, I think I'll, that, that, but his, his offensive line being trash is not a small sample size. That is like years of the Giants line being just absolute trash. But they've invested in the line. You know, they should have had in years past. Yeah, they invested in Nate Soldier, who's, what, 35 and gave up, you know, 50-something pressures last year. Oh, so he's done? I mean, he's – maybe this is just biased, but anybody that I feel – I feel anybody the Patriots give up is worse after the Patriots than they are on the Patriots. Like, I feel like the Patriots are one of those teams that like they just milk the person for all that they're worth. And then when they go on to another team, it's like, wow, you were so good with that team. Why do you suck now? So <laughs> I like Patriots I, way. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the, yeah, they drafted um, Will Hernandez in what was it? The second round. Mm-hmm. But I, I will mean, say, if they ever want to trade for one of your players, you tell them no, and you figure out why does why they want to trade for this guy. <laughs> that, that's very true. Um, they do get rid of players one year before, and then one year after when they should get rid of them. Nate Solder's thirty, by the way, not thirty-five. Oh, he's and, just old. And Eli Manning did play in the first preseason game. Yeah, there, there's like a number of things there that are like I, I still have Saquon as a, as an as an RB one. I think he's still going to be there. Just because of probably sheer volume alone, the fact that they're not going to be able to put eight guys in the box all the time because you have good receivers on the outside there, I'm just not willing to use my either sixth or seventh, sometimes earlier, depending on if I'm drafting with a lot of Giants fans, which living in New York, 
I, I do draft against a lot of New York fans. Like I'm just never going to own him because I would rather have a guy like Gordon who has shown that he can play at this level. I'll, I'll finish with this point. I just, I just gave him an ungodly amount of money. He's making $37 million this year for me. Oh, and your your uh, real sports. Online. That's why. That's why I'm broke, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hopefully that works out for you. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm. I, maybe this is one that comes back and bites me in the end. But you know, I'm I'm willing to deal with it for right now. All right, let's drop down to our next tier. We got a new tier. Four more guys coming in. And it just kind of shakes out that the next four guys are all four sophomore guys because they were all able to show something in their rookie year to put them up into this range. So the first guy coming in is Leonard Fournette at 8.2, our eighth running back off the board. And we all have him either at nine or 10. Um, Sigs, you didn't really join in, in the Barkley conversation. So why don't you lead us off with the Fournette conversation? Um, <clears throat> I know the, the knock on him coming out of college is that he was going to be dinged up or that he, he plays injured a lot and that's going to wear him out in the NFL. And I don't really think we saw that as much. Uh, maybe they slow played him a little bit and, and didn't let him get beat up. But I mean, I, I like Fournette. He's one of the guys that I'm going to try to get. I know we got him at 10 and nine, like you said, but I mean, I'm going to try to get him and maybe one of the other top guys and then just kind of let everything else fall where it may uh, with He's got a really good catch rate as much as people I don't think think of him with a receiving back. Uh, he caught 75% of what they threw to him, at least as what was rated as a catchable ball. Uh, now, granted, he only got 48 targets, but he turned that into 36 catches and just over 300 yards, and he did have a touchdown with that. I think he kind of proved himself to the team. And maybe they'll just feed him a little bit more and, and – uh, if he can catch 75% of the balls, it's like, Hey, let's get him another one to two looks per game and turn that into a lot more catches and a, and a fair chunk of more yards. Cause I know he's got a, a decent backup in TJ Eldon, but he's got the body and the frame to, and he's young yet to just say, Hey, we're going to try and, and pound this down your throat. And the opposing team is going to say, you know what? We're going to make you beat us through the air anyway. And they're going to stack the box because I don't think a lot of NFL people or fantasy people believe that Blake Bortles is someone that's going to torch you. A lot of his points last year in yards, uh, you know, that's a lot of garbage time where, where they were ahead and their defense is helping them out. So I, Leonard, I think, should do probably better than what we've got him rated here. He might sneak even, even overall at the end when it's uh, a little bit higher than 9 or 10. Yeah, I can I can see Fournette having a good year. My my hesitancy is that he's had a foot sprain, an ankle sprain, an ankle sprain, a quadriceps strain all last year. Like that that makes me nervous that he has so many injuries all on the lower half. Like we were talking about David Johnson with yeah, he missed an entire year, but it was just his wrist. It's not like his lower half that a running back has to have. And I mean, a wrist is obviously important to have for a running back too, but it's not all of these lower body injuries. I mean, but Fournette could be one of these guys, kind of like uh, Frank Gore. When Frank Gore came into the league, he kind of had he, he had this injury-prone label, and now look at him. He's 
I'm just going to throw 35 out here. That's my number of the night. What is he, like 35? <laughs> and he's had how he's many? He's like 50 in NFL years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's had how many seasons of like full 16 games ready to go since, what was it, his third, third maybe fourth season when he had his last like little ding that took him out of game. I could see Fournette maybe being one of those types of guys that – you know, right now he's just coming in with this this injury label that eventually that narrative is gonna have to shift because he becomes a beast. I mean, honestly, people get injured when they run into him. So I'm not a doctor, so I don't put too much stock in trying to diagnose, you know, everybody's injuries. But what I do know is that offensive coaches, what do they believe? Run game and defense wins championships. <clears throat> So he's going to get fed the ball. And something I didn't even realize, I just looked it up, he had 36 catches. I mean, he's not real pretty catching the ball, but he's getting love, you know, catching the ball just by being out there, you know, all three down. So he's a three-down back, you know, he's, you got to draft him, you know, pretty high in the, in the first two rounds. I got him in, you know, the middle second in a, in a recent draft. Uh, FFD260, uh, uh, shout out to the fans of the league. Um, I took him in the second round. I feel great about it. You know, I paired him up with Kamara. I feel like that's a great that's a great pairing, and I think that's like if you can get Fournette and you know anything beyond like the the end of the first early second, like you're getting a guy to steal there because I think he can be one of these guys that he's the only guy on the field. He's getting every 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 rep out there, the first, second, third down work. Um, I just. I just feel like he's going to miss at least two, maybe three games with some kind of seems like ankle sprain. Seems like his thing. Yeah, and the other thing with Fournette is, like you said, all the injuries and whatnot. The three games he missed last year, the other Jaguar running backs, which wasn't a group of you know elite guys, they averaged the same yards per carry as he did. So the Jaguars might decide, you know what, let's protect him from himself a little bit, lighten his workload, and play some of these other guys as well. To push back on Rocco's point, he did uh, catch so many passes last year, but his 3.7 targets per game was the lowest number for any RB1 last year, while nine of the top 12 had 70 or more. So he really is at a hamper in PPR. Yeah, I mean, you I mean that's not the first thing you think about, but you're, you're just kind of surprised that he does catch passes. You know, He's not a Jordan Howard. For sure. <laughs> I love I how that's our, an insult. I think they had run the same number of catches, though, but I'll let it I, – I agree. You don't, you don't think of him in bad hands as you do as Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, you think hands, you go, uh-oh. Oh, uh, wait, wait till the love you – Yeah, I mean, you just, you, just, coming up. you just physically seen him drop so many passes with your own eyes, you know, in the few games that you've seen him play, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Big that's, ones, too. Let's move down to a guy that has actually had some decent receptions. Uh, Kareem Hunt comes in as our ninth ninth running back off the board. Consensus rank 8.7. Sigs, you got him all the way up at 7. What what, what has you put in Kareem so high? Uh, One of the things I usually look at is, like, how many – uh, touches are they going to get and it, in relation to that what's their competition uh, do they get red zone looks do they uh, get targets and decent reception numbers and he pulls down all those I mean again Spencer Ware kind of lost his job to injury as much as that's kind of a cliche while well, you don't lose your job to an injury well, he did and then Kareem 
Hunt last year, a lot of people were like, <laughs> oh, he's going to be the sleeper. If there's a guy on day two or day three of the draft that could come in and make a good run in the NFL, it would be Kareem Hunt. Uh, I, I just I don't think much has changed in their offense where, I mean, they got a new quarterback, I know, but they're still going to, I think, be smart enough, Andy Reid will, to stick to his mantra, which is putting the ball in his skilled players' hands. And I think that's Hunt. Uh, He's just one of those guys, again, where he can repeat what he did last year because last year, I mean, he did lead the league in rushing. You know, I misspoke when I said Gurley did. He had uh, 13-27. He had double-digit touchdowns when you add them all together. Uh, He only missed 10 of his targets. And on the 53 receptions he got, he was at 455 yards. So, I mean, he could be knowing that he's going to be the number one or was all last year uh, as a sophomore, a little bit more knowing what to expect in the NFL. I think he's going to be fine, which is why I got him at seven. I, re- I really do worry about Spencer Ware, though. That, 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 I mean, he's not going to just go away. I mean, he was there running back one a couple years ago, and they had a lot of success with him. I, I, I don't think they're going to get – I mean, Kareem Hunt's not going to see the same usage he saw last year. That's the one thing that concerns me. There's a lot of – this team, there. they have – you know, they brought in more receivers. They, you know, they, they got a new quarterback going. It's, it's, it's just a lot, lot different than what we saw last year. So it's just a little more question marks for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about Spencer Ware, but he's not even really healthy yet. Um, I know I got Hunt at nine, but I kind of feel like it's a little low. He led the league in rushing last year, as Sig's mentioned, but it was only six in rushing attempts. And we all know that middle part of the year where he just staggered out and was horrible fantasy ends up with starting off hot and then finishing hot. He was a top 24 back 73% of the time. And while there's some concern with the quarterback change, the addition of Watkins, there's not much challenge for him in the backfield, especially now that they released Arkandrick West. He should see more snaps on third down. I'm thinking that Hunt and Spencer Ware worked themselves into a little bit of a running back by committee here. Uh, That's why I have him, you know, two to three, four spots lower than everybody else. But I think Spencer Ware never got a chance to beat out Kareem Hunt um, until right now when he's slowly starting to get better again. I think the Chiefs offense is just question marks all over the place, which means that you're going to get one of two things. You're either going to get a value getting Kareem Hunt at the back of these RB1s in terms of drafts, or you're going to get a complete bust because that offense just goes down the pooper and you get a guy that you're drafting, you know, end of the end of the first, beginning of the second and 12 team leagues. And uh, you get a RB three or worse. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we could all create the scenario in our head where you know Kansas City is one of the top five offenses in the league, and you know everybody eats, but you know it's probably not going to happen. I mean, I love me some Patrick Mahomes, but I'm I'm not even going that I mean, far. To say I mean, they got. Be. I mean, they might have the best set of skilled position players, you know, arguably in the league if if Mahomes gets it together. Uh, well, one of the things I think with Hunt. His quarterback, one of the things that Andy Reid can do is help him out, help the quarterback out by now they got two backs. If Spencer Ware is fully healthy again sometime this early this season, is you take it out of the quarterback hand and do some handoffs and make sure that he gets comfortable and doesn't have to try to air it out down to Hill or to Watkins 
or to Kelsey. Uh, don't let him make as many decisions early on and build his confidence. <laughs> I think they'll be able to do that with Hunt. And I also don't think that we see Hunt again in his sophomore year where he's a little bit more experienced. There, there was that stretch from week four to 13 where he didn't score any touchdowns. He was still getting yardage, but I looked back at that. I'm like, what the heck was happening? I mean, there was Kansas city turned into a dumpster fire for 10 weeks. Their whole offense was awful. It wasn't just hunt, like not getting touchdowns or not converting anything or not even like, okay, so he didn't break one that was 80 yards this week. Their whole team had an identity crisis where for some reason they just could not put anything together uh, constructively or consecutively for more than two quarters. Yeah. I think there's a whole lot of kind of question marks around Hump, but, and like I said, I, I actually have him the lowest. I thought it would be the only person here, but I guess everybody has a little, little bit of questions, but Aaron, a little bit more on the side of uh, upside there. So let's move down to the next guy who has, in my opinion, a good amount of question marks. Uh, Delvin cook comes in as our 10th running up back off the board, 9.4. Um, Six, you got him at nine. Rocco, you got him at 13. Rocco, why don't you go first? Tell us why you're not liking Cook so much. And then Sigs, jump in with why you do. I mean, at 13, I can't really say I'm not liking him that much. I mean, you know, I do ha- I do, you know, admit that he has a great chance to finish as a as a one, but I mean, you know, we're talking about a guy that got hurt last year. I mean, we really didn't get – I mean, we saw a couple games. That's that's the sample size that we have of them. I mean, you got Latavius Murray that's going to get, you know, get some carries. The the coach is already talking about he's going to continue to get some carries. I mean, you know, coach is not always going to give it to the most talented guy. They're going to they're gonna feed every, everybody around. And, you know, they, 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 for some reason they like Latavius Murray there. I mean, I'm not a big fan, but he's going to get some carries. You know, it's just uh, – just enough question marks. You know, you got a new quarterback. I, I think it should be better than last year, but, you know, um, I, I and, and it's, you know, they, they got a lot of passing attack uh, options as well. So I'm just, uh, I'm just not, he's not in the top, the top half for me. Yeah. There's concern there with Latavius Murray, but people point to, well, Cook had a hot start last year. He averaged 16.4 PPR points a game in his first four games before tearing the ACL. But remember, Latavius Murray was not fully healthy then. He's had a good training camp thus far, reportedly. And my concern is the Vikings, with Super Bowl aspirations and wanting to protect Cook's long-term value, they limit the number of carries he gets, especially in garbage-time situations where they're up by twin, they're just trying to kill the clock, and instead let Murray take those carries in the beating instead, saving Cook for the playoffs. Yeah, I think they they will probably – well, they won't probably – they'll definitely be – uh, slowing him, easing him back, slowly easing him back into the run game. I mean, the other night he had, uh, I think it was like two carries he had and he totaled up one yard and he got hit once or twice. And I don't think they were worried about, oh my God, he got hit. But it was one of those things where you test the knee out, you make contact or have someone make contact with you in an actual game. Uh, you get that mental well-being back. And I don't know, I, I, I have a good feeling on Cook. He was doing really good last year. Uh, and look how their their offense did last year. I mean, they were, even without a, a gigantic threat of the running game, I know Murray was serviceable and they had some other uh, people that helped pick, up the pay, helped pick up the pace with that. But I just think adding him back in there, he will be able to help the run game and 
they're going to be able to pass a lot better. And again, it's going to kind of protect him where he's not going to have to carry the load. And I think, you know, Murray's going to be a, a slight watch that you have to kind of be like, okay. I mean, I, I had a home league draft today and it was, <clears throat> I got cook. And then I made sure later on, as soon as Murray came up, it was an auction league. As soon as Murray came up, I just outbid the guy at the end of the draft and I got Murray and cook. So in case he does go down again, or I was out for three, four weeks. I got his backup. Yeah, I think you have to pick up Murray if you get Cook. Um, partly for the reason that Cook won the job when Latavius Murray was still nursing his ankle injury, and then when Cook went out, Latavius Murray, uh, he actually at, at several points throughout the remainder of the season actually had better stats than Jarek McKinnon. Um, so I think you, you have to get Murray if you get cook. Um, but I'm still pretty high on cook just because like, I, I can see him being maybe not a true workhorse in Minnesota because I do think that they like Murray out there, but I could see him being the, you know, the go-to guy, the guy that's going to get the majority of, you know, the between the twenties work and then occasionally being able to break one for a, um, a decent run. Um, a guy that they can also run at the goal line. Like, even though that's what Latavius Murray has been in, you know, been a career maker for him. I could see cook being a guy that they can really put all over the field there. So that's why I'm a little bit high on cook. Obviously, there's still the question mark there about his his knee and his health and whether or not he can come back 100%. But I would worry about that thing becoming a three-way timeshare with Rock Thomas. Is that a, is that a joke? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe next year, not now. Yeah. Um, all right, let's on that one. Uh, let's move down to CMC. Uh, he kind of is off by by himself here because he comes in at 10.6 for us uh the 11th running back off the board so a little bit of a jump but he kind of fits in between this tier and the next tier and it just made it look better to have all the sophomore running backs in there uh mike you actually got cmc at eight which is ever so slightly the highest so where, where where's the love coming from well, again, my rank is off PPR, so obviously McCaffrey has higher value there than a non-PPR. Non-PPR, he's in the mid-teens for me. But what does it for me is he finished last year as the RB10, despite averaging less than 7.5 carries per game and under 12.5 carries per game and 12.5 touches per game. By comparison, Carlos Hyde, who was the RB8, had 15 carries and 19 touches per game. Okay, McCaffrey, as a PPR stud, ranked third in the league among running backs and catches, and tied for 13th in the league overall. Uh, I'm not worried about C.J. Anderson at all. McCaffrey has more preseason touches, has averaged more yards in the preseason, has been getting more run with the ones in the preseason. And we keep getting these little snippet reports from Rivera and North Turner that they would like to get McCaffrey 20 or more touches a game. And while I think 25 to 30 is pushing it, 20 is probably a good ballpark for him. And either way, he averaged 12 and a half last year. So if you take a 50% bonus of that, his floor is very safe in PPR because of the catchability. Yeah, I, I, 
just to build off that, when you hear coaches talk about coaches and, and owners as well, talk about how many touches they're going to give a guy, uh, you might as well just stop listening because oh, for sure. if you actually do the math for that, it, it just becomes the most outrageous thing ever. Uh, 30 carries over a 16 game season is astronomical. Yeah. Like no, no running back has ever gotten that. Um, but I mean, to say that Christian McCaffrey is a PPR stud is probably an understatement. Oh, for sure. Um, Sigs, you got CMC at 11. What, what do you got going on for CMC? Well, um, this still puts him in the, if you're in a 12 team league, I mean, it still puts him for me right at the the base of, okay, he could still be a running back one for you. Even in not in a PPR format, he's still going to get a lot of touches. Uh, whether you don't get points per reception or not, it's, you're still getting yardage off that. And regardless of how your yardage scoring set up, you're going to get that points. I mean, in some of his games, if you look at a, at a game log one week at a time, uh, there's some weeks where it's almost like you're starting, you know, a running back two with a wide receiver three at the same time, or even a wide receiver two at the same time, but you've got one position. So, I mean, I like that aspect of it. The reason I probably got him at 11, which is a little bit lower than people is because I just, I don't like the way that Carolina's offenses um, and it maybe has more to do with the coaching staff and maybe like a lack of vision to me, they got all these skilled guys that they've been accumulating. And it really reminds me of like a college student that gets to go shopping to the grocery store for the first time. And they get all these ingredients and they come home and find out they can make like two dishes with a hundred dollars worth of groceries. They got all this skill there. And I don't know if they've got the right skill at all these positions to put them into an actual functioning offense that can consistently perform week in and week out. Is this a question of the quarterback or the, or the offensive coaching staff? I, maybe it's a little bit of both. I, I really think you don't think uh, Cam can support all of these, uh, these options. Well, I mean, I think it's, they got all this skill and they, I don't want to say the coaches aren't uh, smart enough to use them. I, I just think they, they probably need to figure out how can we get all this together and go with that offense and stick with it. It just seems like one week or two, they, they let Cam run wild. Another couple of weeks, they're just airing the ball out. Then they're running it. Then Cam's dinged up. And I, I don't want to throw it on Cam. It just, I like all these people and all these positions they got i just don't think it flows together in an offense it's it's unpredictable which makes me not trust it or the pieces of it on a week-to-week basis and that's that's where i I just kind of ding those guys a little bit and because of that i probably don't have them a lot on my fantasy teams because other people are drafting them way ahead of where i got them ranked well i will jump on i mean this is on cam he needs to get a little more accurate and, and and tie all of these weapons in together i mean you know, he can't airmail all of his guys downfield, you know, the whole game. He's going to have to be more consistent in his throws, you know, for this uh, offense to take its uh, next step. I mean, they had, the pieces are in place. You know, I mean, it falls down the quarterback. You're the one out there, you know, making the throws. You're, you, you know, all the cameras on you. You got you to gotta be able to complete the passes to all your weapons. You have no excuses now. You have the offense to go, you know. Just, I mean, I. Having this conversation, I need to drop Christian McCaffrey down in my rankings. And for one more reason that you guys haven't mentioned yet, and that's the injuries across that Carolina offensive line. That's the 
they have they've lost a starting what was it a starting tackle for the entire season with an ACL injury. They've lost um, what was it Khalil Mack uh, underwent surgery. Uh, who was who was the guard? It was a guard that they lost with an ACL for the entire the entire year. Like they're they're losing pieces on that offensive line and. Yeah, you want to give Christian Christian McCaffrey those inside runs, but if you have essentially a second string offensive line blocking for him, he's not going to get anywhere with him. Um, and now, yeah, can he can he recover that with his floor, his receiving floor? Yes, to some degree, but he's not going to be able to jump up and take that next kind of step that I was hoping he would this year if they're missing. You know, if I think I think they're up to three out of their five starting linemen that are now gone with injuries. But that might even help him more because if they can't run the ball, guess what? He's gonna have to catch more passes. Then you you think he's gonna go over? I mean, catches catches are more valuable than runs. I mean, we all know that. So, you know, as a receiver, I mean, he can definitely. uh, That I mean, that's why I have him in my top eight because he's you know he that you know. Pass catching is so valuable in a PPR setting. I mean, it's, but, but, but how many more can he really get though? Like he already had eighty last year. Like a like a top uh, elite running backs get like that eighty to eighty five receptions. Uh, elite PPR running backs are in that range. Is is he gonna is he gonna get over a hundred receptions? That'll be only second time in history, other than Matt Forte. I want to say back in twenty fourteen. Uh, no, McCaffrey's not going to hit that, and I understand your concern about the offensive line. The left guard who replaced Norrell is some Hawaiian name I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Both <laughs> tackles are dealing with knee injuries right now, though. Uh, Matt Khalil is going to be back, hopefully, by week one or two. Um, yeah, I understand your concern about the offensive line. I understand Rocco's point about how well if they can't run the ball and Cam's getting pressure up his face every time, the best way to t- counter that is to check down to McCaffrey repeatedly. And I can see that happening. I, I just, in PPR, he's going to get enough catches. He got 80 last year. He could push up to 85, 90, even potentially. I understand your concern about the O-line. I'm just not as worried about it as you are. Yeah. All right. Well, let's drop down to the next tier. Uh, we got four, another four guys coming in in our next tier. They're starting off our kind of end of the RB1, start of the RB2s. And the first guy up is Devonta Freeman coming in at 12.3, 12th running back off the board. Uh, I'll go first because I got him at seven, um, and everybody else has him 11th or worse. Uh, I think Atlanta does not have a very um, – what's the, what's the right word? Flashy offense, right? Like I think Sarkeesian is not the best play caller for, you know, the NFL. But I think one of the things that he's going to do is he's going to hand the ball off a good amount to uh, Devonta Freeman. I think that they're – like Sarkeesian for some reason doesn't seem to know how to work with Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu. And I, I fear for what he's going to do with Calvin Ridley out there. But one of the things that I think he's going to be able to do is make sure that Devonta Freeman gets his kind of bump back up uh, because he was he was down a little bit after um, after the 
the Falcons lost in the Super Bowl. He kind of had that down year. I think he bounces back uh, into the RB1s. And, I mean, he catches the ball. He runs the ball well. They're going to have to defend more spots on the field in Atlanta with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley out there and Mohamed Sanu probably in the slot. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think seven's a little high. He does have Tevin Coleman back there. Um, Freeman has slipped in fantasy production each year since that big breakout year in 2015. He was the RB1 that year, was the RB6 in 2016, and then last year was the RB13 in PPR scoring. Um, Freeman is definitely one of the safer backs to take, especially if you get him as your RB2. Um, the only thing I really worry about with Freeman is uh, Coleman's production in terms of the passing game. Freeman's targets have decreased over the last three years while Coleman has increased. And I just worry that, you know, Atlanta says we got uh, Freeman long-term on the contract. Coleman we got for one more year. Let's get everything we can out of him this year and let him walk off in the free agency. Uh, the addition of Ridley concerns me a little bit in terms of the number of targets going to the backfield because he, Ridley's clearly an upgrade over Taylor Gabriel. Again, it, it, he's a safe floor guy, and as an RB2, I love him. I'm just not convinced he's a top eight, top nine guy. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. I would agree. I mean, it, part of this, too, is kind of like, okay, I like the – I have him at 13, I think. I, I got him, yeah, just outside the first round. I got him where – there's just you know 12 guys I like better than him uh, he does split time a little bit I mentioned before one of the things I look for is the competition that he's going to have to face and I I just feel like he's a, on a plus note he he is a guy that I don't know if it matters much PPR or not he's probably right around the same spot bottom of the first round or just out of the, the first t- uh, 12 running backs you're gonna try to shoot for I, I guess there, there's a little bit of an issue maybe with he was dinged up two or three times last year and missed games. But then again, you look at it again, if you check a game log and look game to game, the one game against Dallas, I think is the one he got um, injured and had to leave early. So his points that day, that day were out. But I mean, there's besides that one and the two games he missed with injury where he was just flat out off the roster for those two weeks he had, you know, no less than five something for fantasy points every week. And that's a consistent producer. So, I mean, he's still not terrible. I just, I don't have him as high as some other people do. I understand the Tevin Coleman argument, but even still, I feel like Devonta Freeman is definitely the number one back there. Uh, I mean, even, even last year, he still got more targets and more receptions than Tevin Coleman did. Um, Tevin Coleman's attempts did go up, uh, but Devonta Freeman, like he, if he plays a full, a full 16 games this year, maybe seven's a little high. Maybe I need to rethink that one a little bit, drop him down maybe a little bit. But if I had to go versus, um, you know, the sophomore running backs with all the questions around, around those guys, I'd much rather take a guy like a Devonta Freeman where, you know, my biggest concern is really Sarkeesian um, calling the plays. So I'd rather take the kind of consistency, somewhat of a safety net with Freeman over some of those sophomore question marks. I understand what you're saying. If you're more concerned about the 
floor for some of the second year backs. Freeman is more a safe option for sure. I, I'm just more, you know, willing to take risks with the running backs. I'd rather have more of the upside of any of those second year guys over Freeman. I mean, Freeman's upside is number one RB in the league. Uh, he did it once before. He can do it again. Maybe <laughs> he does that again. I might go crazy. <laughs> of course, I did have him that year in several leagues, so I'll take that last name at back. <laughs> All right, let's drop down to the next guy, uh, Jordan Howard. Uh, we made fun of him for not being able to catch, but he's been working on it, people. Working on it all all preseason long. He comes in as our 13th running back off the board. Uh, 13.7 consensus rank. I actually am pretty high on Jordan Howard, but it's nice to know that I'm not. Like, I'm a lot higher on Devonta Freeman than you guys. And we're all pretty close with Jordan Howard. We're all within two, two ranks here. Uh, so... Anybody can pick this one up. What 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 has you really liking Jordan Howard this year? I can start off by just saying, I mean, I got him in my mind. I wasn't doing PPR rankings, and I still have him at fifteen. And part of that is, I think the the Bears' offense, new coaching regime. I think everything points to positive, but in some ways, I think Nagy's going to come in and limit a little bit of what Howard does. He, he's smart enough to recognize that certain guys are going to be better in certain packages or in certain scenarios or in the games where you've got uh, down by 10 versus down by one. So, I mean, I, I still think Howard can be a good running back. I just don't think he's he's belonging in the top 12, and that's why I got him at 15. For me, Howard is another safe back, even in PPR, because he's going to get the first and second down work. He was fifth in rushing attempts last year, despite the fact the Bears were a negative game script. If they win more games this year and actually have a lead in the fourth quarter sometimes, he's going to get plenty of garbage time, kill-the-clock carries. Um, my only concern is, again, the catches. He only had 1.7 per game for his career. And with all the new weapons they've added, from Robinson to Miller to Burden to Cohen having a bigger role, he just doesn't have the upside to finish as a RB1 for me. He could sneak his way to the top of t- uh, the RB2 range, maybe the RB12 if you're lucky, but he, he cemented firmly in the RB2 range for me because of the lack of upside. See, I think that Jordan Howard is – he's kind of like what I wanted Crowell to be last year, and maybe that's setting me up for failure here. Isaiah Crowell, he played in such a bad offense and still finished as like a RB13 the previous year. And I, I was like, if he was able to do that with a terrible Browns team, then a slightly improved Browns team, he's going to be even better. And maybe I'm setting myself up for, you know, like I said, failure again with Howard here, kind of betting on the same thing of Jordan Howard was just in terrible situations all last year and was still able to put up really good numbers. So if he gets on a team that's a little bit better and his efficiency gets a little bit better and he gets a little bit more volume and a little bit more kind of bang for his buck, he should make that jump, maybe not to RB1, but right at that RB, RB1, RB2 border. I mean, honestly, last couple of years, he's been the best player on a complete dumpster fire. I mean, that, that offense was awful. And uh, if the new coaching staff makes that offense even a little bit better, 
Um, I like Howard's chances to, um, you know, have some really good weeks. Yeah, let's let's drop down to Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon comes in at thirteen point nine, fourteenth RB off the board. Everybody has him at twelve except me. I mean, my big nervousness is, I mean, it's Cincinnati. They have not shown much last year. They they're not showing a ton so far through the preseason. I like Joe Mixon. I think he has a lot of upside. Uh, I'm. I'm just not ready to put him at that RB1, RB2 line yet. For me, I really like Mixon. He's one of my post-hype sleepers, one of the guys I'm targeting in draft. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, they've done a lot to improve the offensive line from last year. They traded for Cordy Glenn. They spent a first-round pick on Billy Price at guard center. So they're committed to improving the offensive line. It's not the same poor group they went in last year with. Last year, the Bengals ranked 29th in the league in rushing attempts with only 377. Over the previous four years, they finished an average of 7th with 472 attempts. So presumably, they're going to bounce back and run the ball more this year, which will benefit Mixon, obviously. Um, The 377 attempts was the lowest for the Bengals in the past 20 years. So I'm pretty confident they will revert back to running the ball more, taking less of the offense out of Andy Dalton's hands. Um, this may be totally irrelevant, but it's kind of odd stat here. I noticed Mixon's rookie year compared to Melvin Gordon's rookie year. They had similar number of touches, similar number of scrimmage yards, and finished disappointingly in the same ballpark in terms of RB finish. Yet Gordon's sophomore year, he finishes the RB7 after an approved offensive line, got more touches, more yards per carry, and more touchdowns, obviously. So not necessarily any direct correlation, but kind of odd that Mixon disappointed as a rookie and Gordon disappointed as a rookie, and then Gordon had that big breakout sophomore year after they improved the offensive line. See, I, I, I really like that comp because, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Gordon fan because of that kind of anti-narrative of, oh, well, he was a bust in his rookie year. He's a bust. Like, he's going to always be a bust. I have another comparable, uh, you know, I recently wrote about, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell, a guy in his own uh, division, you know, also had a 3.5 yards per carry. And a lot of people were scared off, you know, coming into his sophomore year of that 3.5 carry. He slipped in his, you know, late second and third rounds of drafts. And people that got Le'Veon Bell won championship. I witnessed it. You know, I, I, you know, a back that can catch the ball like that, you know, and can run it between the tackles. I mean, he's a guy that can sneak up into your top, top six. He can be one of those guys that can do it all. You know, he's got the ability to do it. And if the Cleveland, uh, the Cincinnati offense gets any better, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, big things in store for him. See, yeah. you went too far with the left bell comparison. Like Melvin Gordon, I was w- w- willing, ready and willing to accept, but left bell. Uh, it's already it's, it's coming out in writing. I'm going to lose a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> well, they, the, the Bengals did split him out wide in the preseason game like the Steelers do with Bell. So I can understand Rico's, uh, Rocco's point there about – they use him in a similar style of way because their games are a little bit similar. But yeah, let's get him to Melvin Gordon level first before we declare him Le'Veon Bell level. I'm not saying he's Le'Veon Bell. I'm saying he has some of the same skill level, you know, skills that um, that Le'Veon Bell has as far as in the passing game. I mean, my my concern is can Cincinnati actually use him? And unfortunately, <laughs> I think I think his biggest hurdle is Marvin Lewis. Like, I, I feel like he is just one of those coaches that has been 
where he's at for so long that he has literally nothing new to bring to that team. And uh, I mean, Joe Mixon is paying for it. That whole offense is kind of paying for it. Uh, I, I want Joe Mixon to be good. I think he can be good. Uh, like Mike said, let's, let's get him to make the Melvin Gordon jump before we go to that left bell jump. But does, he have, does he have all the skill sets to be able to make that jump into the upper, upper, upper echelons here? Absolutely. Um, Let's move on to our next guy. Uh, Shady rounds out this tier. LaShawn McCoy, another guy with all sorts of upside. Um, Little trouble with the law right now. Coming in as our 15th running back off the board, 15.8 in terms of our consensus rankings. Mike, you are driving his rankings way down. Yeah, I'm way low on everybody else, and it's a number of factors. Let's start with the most obvious one. The issues going on with the domestic violence accusations and whatnot. While he may not see a suspension this year, or hell at all maybe, it's going to be similar to Ezekiel Elliott. Is it going to be hanging over his head? Is it going to be hanging over the team's head? Are they going to be getting asked questions every week? Do you think McCoy's going to get suspended? Is it going to get overturned? How's he doing? Et cetera, et cetera. It will be a distraction, at least to him, if not the entire team. Secondly, who the hell on the Bills, Bills offense besides him can you trust? Kelvin Benjamin to some degree. They just lost Josh Allen to a head injury in the preseason game tonight. So who is Nathan Peterman and his five interceptions a half going to be starting at quarterback? Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm stacking the boxes against that guy. And they've lost three of their starters along the offensive line from last year, and the three best ones, Eric Wood to retirement, Richard Carnito to losing his mind in retirement, and Corey Glenn to the trade. I just see a number of things with McCoy that says, okay, deduct here, deduct here, deduct here, deduct here, that he's fallen down in my rankings. He's also turned 30 years old in July, and we know at the age 30, running backs typically start to fall off. Yes, there's the exceptions, but majority do tend to fall off. And his numbers last year signal that he's starting to tail off. He only had eight touchdowns, which tied for least amongst the top nine running backs last year. He had the lowest yards per carry of his career averaging four per carry versus 4.6 for his career. And last year, he had the least amount of yards per game since 2012. When you put the decline, the age, the legal issues, and the lack of talent around him, I'm, I'm just staying away. I don't want him in his ADP. You know, if he drops to where I have him ranked as a flex guy, sure, what the hell. But otherwise, I'll pass. Interesting. Sigs, you got him at 14. Go get, get Mike. Well, it sounds like I'm having a hard time, almost impossible to convert Mike, but the, yes. the fact that the fact that McCoy is getting older, I, I'd wholeheartedly agree with. That's a fact you can't deny. And as they say, time is undefeated. No one beats it. You're going to be in right. pretty soon. <laughs> but um, what you got to, or what I, I guess, look at every year, I kind of put him down my ranks before I do drafts. And then all of a sudden, whether I get him or not, he, he always is one of those guys that ends up surprising me. We're like, oh, I didn't realize he's you know, still averaged four yards a carry. Or last year, sorry, 2016, it was five and a half. I mean, I don't think he's ever had really good teams in Buffalo. He might have had – he's definitely had better teams. But even in Buffalo, you got cold-weather games, you, which I guess he had Philly too. But he's one of those guys where – I'm not saying he's riding on another five or, or six or seven years, but for the next one or two, and we're talking redraft, so it's the next one, I think he's still right up there. And, and maybe I'm a touch high at 14, but he's one of those guys where 
if I get a top running back and he's one of my guys coming back around on another turn or in a other tier, I'll take him whether it's PPR or not, because I think he's solid. And this might be me being, well, I'll just ride him into the ground or, uh, you know, maybe burn me this one year. Uh, he's one of the guys where I'm not going to jump off the year early to make sure I don't get burned because he seemed to do it regardless of, of where he's at or what teams around him. Now, granted he's got off field troubles and, and everything, but uh, who knows, maybe with all this stuff around him, all of a sudden some team pulls a big trade for him and just wants him for this year. And then he ends up turning into a, a really, really good scenario. If he gets traded at this mo- moment in time, I mean, that kind of just kills his year. I don't, I don't trust that he'll be able to just go into a brand new team and just completely take over and, and you know, provide, you know, running back two numbers. I, I just, you know, that, that, that's not something I would want to bank on. Well, I'm not banking on it by any means, but I'm just saying maybe it happens. He, he kind of forced his way out of Philly and I don't know if anyone saw that coming, just how ridiculous he kind of was there. And I don't know who knows. So like I said, it just, I, I have a good feeling about this year that you can ride him on at least one more year. Rocco, you said something about him getting traded again. To six point, he said he may get traded during the season, and I was kind of you know, pushing I, I back a little bit. I'm on not that saying I have anything to get traded. I just said maybe maybe he forces his way out again, and then he goes to a better team, and it's not Buffalo. So, but yeah. that's probably really unlikely. I don't know if he can land into a better situation. And unfortunately, I mean, it's not. It's a horrible situation. Is I mean, sorry, Bills fans, y'all have a great fan base and everything, but that team is kind of kind of bad right now, honestly. Team's yeah, a, team's very. Yeah, bad. There's not a lot. I mean, they, they got some pieces on defense, but but uh, I mean, they're definitely rebuilding. And a running back on a rebuilding team, uh, I'm good. You know, I'm I'm good until late, really late. I mean, he has to really slide for me to even look at him. You know, to even look his way, to even you know wave at him. Yeah, if he gets traded into a better situation, his value will go up. A lot of my problem with him is the Bills and the lack of talent they have around him. Um, you know, if he gets traded to, let's just throw a team out the hypothetical, he gets traded to the Colts midseason, that would help. They have a better line. Lux, clearly an upgrade. They have T.Y. Hilton. He'd be better off then. Um, my other concern with McCoy is with the change of quarterback, whether it's going to be Josh Allen, Peterman, McCarron, none of those guys are mobile quarterbacks like Tyrod was last year. How much of the read option production from McCoy last year gets cut out now because you're not worried about the quarterback Absolutely. taking it off and running. Let's move down to our next tier because our next tier is kind of even even more debatable than Shady. We probably could have put Shady in this tier because the next next two guys are kind of off by themselves. Um, as in they're they they have people that are either super pulling for them or super super pulling against them. <laughs> So I'm going to let somebody else do the read-in for the next player because I, I, I feel some type of way towards him. Our gracious host is not very happy with McKinnon. The rest of us have them in the RB2 <laughs> range. I have him the highest at 13. Sigs and Rocco have him at 19. And, well, our gracious host has him at 37. Since I'm the highest, I'll go ahead and try and make my case. Um the only concern I've heard about McKinnon that people don't like him is can he handle the workload? Can his frame handle it? Can he handle the injury factor? Well, he's only missed one game since 2015. So to label him as an injury concern guy is unfair. Last year, the top 12 running backs 
averaged 290 touches or 18 per game roughly. Over the last two years when McKinnon has been in a timeshare, um, he has averaged 15.3 per game. Now, um, he finished last year as the RB17 PPR, and with the 15.3 he averaged last year, assuming he can stay healthy, which, again, should not be a problem, there's little reason to think he can't pick up the extra three touches per game, especially considering he's not going to get a lot of work between the tackles. Shanahan's going to get him out in space, get the ball to him. He's going to get 60-plus catches. And I'm just not worried about the volume or his ability to hold, you know, handle. I know he's dinged right now. It's not good for my argument, but he should be ready to go week one. They don't have a lot of explosive weapons on that offense outside of Marquise Goodwin. And I think he's going to, his ADP sliding, I think somebody's going to get him at a price and they're going to be happy with him. I'm going to let one more person go before I destroy Jarek McKinnon. I'm underneath the bus. I can make it quick um, and then I'll run away. The, the fact that I got him at 19, this might be, and I've said this before on the other podcast, this is a guy that I'm probably not going to own because I just don't value him as high as some other people do. Uh, obviously value him higher than some people too, but um, I don't know. I had watched McKinnon on Minnesota and a different offense and everything. I, I just don't know how the offense in San Francisco is going to come together. He's coming in brand new. Garoppolo's only been there and, and done stuff for a matter of a half dozen games. Uh, now you got preseason or sorry, the, the postseason and preseason time in between there where defenses and coordinators have been able to get tape, on uh, and they know Shanahan's tendencies. I just I just don't feel good about drafting him as my running back one or my running back two. I think there's other guys with a higher ceiling uh and probably a higher floor for that matter. So I just don't want to rely on Jerry McKinnon as anything more than my running back three. And again, he's gonna be gone before running back threes come around in most leagues that you draft in. And I'm gonna run backwards. The sound you hear would be the the wind coming flying off my hair. <laughs> all right everybody duck yeah so i'm actually a little happy that nobody really brought up the kyle shanahan argument because to me that is the worst argument possible oh shanahan he just produces rb1s that's what he does i hate that argument um that being said uh let's play a little game you ready who had who let's let's go with a, a toss up, right? Easy one. Who had more snaps, McKinnon or Murray? Murray. Murray. Nope. McKinnon had more snaps than um, Murray had. Out of from weeks fifteen. Was he injured though? Nope. McKinnon had more snaps from uh, from. I mean, uh, Murray was injured season. at the beginning of last year, right? Uh, my apologies. From week fifteen to week seventeen. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, week, gotcha. week five, week five to 17. So after Cook got, got hurt uh, and they were both in there, right? McKinnon. McKinnon, McKinnon had more McKinnon. snaps. Yep. Yeah. Who had more um, opportunities? So attempts and targets, more games with more opportunities. I'm guessing McKinnon, if we go by the trend you're going. Nope. Murray. 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 Murray ended up with more attempts and targets than McKinnon on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. McKinnon. Nine <laughs> of the games, Murray had more more opportunities than McKinnon did, even though McKinnon saw more uh, more snaps. Who had more all-purpose yards in uh, more games? Sorry, more games with more all-purpose yards, Murray or McKinnon? Murray did. 
Murray had five, six, seven, seven games uh, with more all-purpose yards than McKinnon. Um, I knew where you go with this. And if, and if you look, if you look at yards per opportunity, Murray still has five, uh, five games with more yards per opportunity than McKinnon. Okay. I can see people being like, Oh, that's just all volume arguments there. Okay. I'll give you that one. Maybe, 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 you know, because he had more opportunities, he did a little bit better, but uh, McKinnon's an athletic freak, right? So he should have more explosiveness, more breakaway runs, things like that, right? So who had more 20-plus yard runs last year? Runs or total plays? Uh, more 20-plus uh, yard runs. Murray. Murray did. Who had oh, – but, but McKinnon's a better pass catcher, right? So McKinnon must have had more – 20 plus pass yard passing plays than Murray had 20 plus running plays, right? No, Murray. wrong. <laughs> they were tied at seven and this is Latavius Murray. So this is a player that Murray does anybody have them in his, in their top 36, mm. 48, 48. Yes. 36. Now, like he, he's a running back that you're going to get all the way at the bottom of drafts. If, if he's even taken and he's doing more than McKinnon all last year. Let me. And we didn't even get to Matt Asiata. What Matt Asiata <laughs> did to McKinnon when McKinnon had the chance. Let me ask, let me ask a question and push back on something. Go did Latavius Murray get traded to San Francisco? I do not believe so, no. Okay, so I'm not worried about Murray, but I, but I, I get your oh, point. Oh, man, I, I hated that dude with a passion. You have swayed me a little bit. Not to 37 when you have him, but I, I get your argument. It does make some sense. I, I still trust McKinnon and PPR. They get the catches. Murray, and the reason I don't have Murray rated higher is because of the situation. With Dalvin Cook there, clearly Dalvin's the guy. Now, if you told me we're going to put Murray on a team in San Francisco where he's the one, Murray be almost as high where McKinnon is for me. It's the opportunity factor why Murray is so low. The talent is good, just Dalvin's clearly the guy. See, my thing is the reason I have him at 37 is because that's the same range that I have Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson, and my other third down receiving backs that I think can do something good whenever they touch the ball, but they're going to be limited whenever they touch the ball because on first down runs, McKinnon was terrible. He ended up with more negative yardage plays he had more negative yardage plays than murray had on like any of his specific downs you can't tell me that mckinnon is going to be in every down back when he can't get positive yards on first and second down and now they have alfred morris he's a blast from the past i alfred morris can could easily take over those first and second down workload from Derek mckinnon you lost me there lost me I was, yeah. Believe everything you said. If I could just, if ahead, I could Rock just Rock give you my take on the whole deal is uh, Jarek McKinnon. I'll never wind up with him in the portion of the draft he's he's being taken in number twenty seven ADP. I mean, you got Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, T Y Hilton, Adam Thielen. I mean, do I have to go on? Doug Baldwin, Larry Fitzgerald. I would take all of these guys. Amari Cooper. I would take every single one of these guys ahead of Jarek McKinnon. So I mean, that's 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 how I see his uh outlook this year 
Yeah, I, I can see taking a lot ahead of a lot of those guys' names. They are a group a uh, group of safer guys than McKinnon. Yeah, but I, I got lost there when you brought up Alfred Morris is a blast from the past, and he's going to take over the early down work. If he was, you oh, know, I think that was like a joke thing. No, I think he was being serious. <laughs> uh, so so serious. No, I mean the, the, the guy we need to look out for the Shanahan thing. Look at what Alfred Morris did with Kyle Shanahan. Look out for McNichols. <laughs> hey, even you know what? I'll even give him that. McNichols, Breda. Um, Joe, I mean, just because he Joe got Williams. ran away from Tampa doesn't mean he's good. A lot of people get run out of Tampa and turn out to be just fine. McKinnon is just not an every down back to me. And if I'm drafting a guy up this high, he's got to be an every down back. Or at least, at least somebody that's going to push for significant playing time. And I think McKinnon, everybody wants to believe that's going to happen. He has not proven it at all through his entire career that he will get significant playing time. Now, granted, your argument's valid that he's now in San Francisco. But if he can't beat out Matt Asiata and Latavius Murray, oh, something's wrong there. Something's real wrong that he's going as you know potentially an RB uh, right at right at the line of an RB one. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I just still think the Niners gave him all that money, and I gotta imagine Kyle Shanahan has a plan to use him. But we've seen worse free agent signings in the past and land flat on their face. You have convinced me to move him back a couple spots, but I'm not going anywhere near 37. You're crazy. No offense. <laughs> hey, I, I put I put them. I looked at my guys, and I was like, all right, these are guys that are third down backs that I like. I like these third down backs, but that's where I would take him. I'm not, I'm not taking him with, you know, guys that I think are going to handle a bulk of the workload. Which, yeah, but you're mentioning in third down guys where they clearly have a first and second down guy ahead of them. Hyde and Chubb in Cleveland. Well, guys before he got hurt in Washington. So you're telling me AP is now that first and second, a blast from the past, taking those first I will, and second I roles. will take AP <laughs> finishing higher than Alfred Morris by 20 spots. Anybody wants to bet that, I'll take. Oh, easy. <laughs> All right, we'll so, talk about that later. But no. All right. We'll, 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 put, we'll put it out to the listeners what the, what, what the bet should be. Uh, All right, I'm in. That, that's a done deal. All right, let's, let's move on to a guy that probably will get a bulk of his team's carries. Uh, Alex Collins. Comes in at 18.7, 17th running back off the board. Uh, we see we all agree on Alex Collins. We all got him either 16 or 17. And there's nothing to hate on Collins. I mean, he, outside the clear cut first, you know, seven or eight guys, Collins probably has the safest floor amongst the top 30 running backs. Nobody on Baltimore is going to challenge him for the starting gig. Kenneth Dixon can't stay healthy. He's reportedly on the roster bubble. Buck Allen is a third down guy. And they really like Collins. They had 12 draft picks, the Ravens, and they did not use a single one on a running back. He, you know, he has the job to himself. Nobody's going to challenge him. And if you look at what he did after he got really in cemented as a starter the last seven games last year, he finished as a top 24 RB five times and averaged 16.7 points per game, even in PPR. Somebody make an argument why he's not the safest RB2 for me. Nope. Can't. I mean, the the only thing going against him is people that put too much stock in draft capital because he was an undrafted free agent. But then again, so was Arian Foster. 
Yeah, and Seattle cut him and then wasted a first-round pick on Rashad Penny to have him sit behind Chris Carson, who was four picks away from being undrafted. So the draft capital does not mean anything amongst running backs. I would agree. And this this is one of those where, like you were saying, I'd, I had the the idea they didn't draft a running back. And maybe have some of that's with Ozzie Newsom's love of tight ends. But they they could have, in many ways, free agency draft, figured out some other way to get a better running attack. And they figured Collins was their best guy. I've been, I've read some stuff and heard people say they've seen him and then he's kind of sculpted his body and positioned his weight a little bit better. Uh, it might be honestly more of a Ravens offense hate. If you hear people talk about uh, that, they're dinging Collins or moving them way down. I don't think that's any of us though, because we all got him right in the top end of that running back two scenario. And he's got to be your safest guy. So to repeat everything but i would agree with you yeah and anybody who's docking baltimore's offense i get it i don't like flacco lamar's not ready crabtree solid outside of that i'm not liking anything but alex collins is the one guy that you can say you know what he's the guy i want to target on the Ravens, and after that i'm going to leave him alone yep yeah i mean and uh the hidden upside with him is if you know flacco eventually you know aren't goes where he's supposed to go right there on the bench and one of these running quarterbacks come in and he can really open up his upside with, uh, you know, a strong running game, you know, a stronger running game, having that, you know, that option with the running quarterback. Very true. The Ravens also have a very underrated run offensive line. Orlando Brown looks like a Absolutely. steal in the third round. There's nothing to hate on Collins here. I'm sorry. Nothing. It's not sexy, but, you know, he's definitely really good RB too. Very so true. Let's, so let's drop down to the next guy, which is the start of the next tier. Uh, we got Deion Lewis coming in at uh, consensus rank 20 and our 18th running back off the board. I mean, I have him a little bit lower than everybody else uh, simply because I see him as a split back. Uh, whereas the other guys that are kind of around him here, I see as more of the, the every down guys uh, like an Alex Collin, who's an every down guy. Um, and the guy that's coming up in next in tier, I see is more than more of an every down guy. Six, you got him at seventeen. What 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 has you drawn to Deion Lewis? As I say, I can start us off. Um, it, it might be more so. I did have him lower, and then it's like my lack of faith in in Henry is kind of what made me push him up a little bit. Again, I, I didn't really do PPR, although I could probably make the argument. Okay, I had him at seventeen. Uh, he's going to get a lot of catches. And again, if you don't even get points for receptions, if he, he's going to get a fair chunk of receptions and the yardage that he gets, you'll get points for the yardage. It takes more, but you're going to get those points. Uh, he, I'm sick of people saying this, but here's the, the New England Patriots connection with Vrabel coming in as the coach. They will use him in a way that he's going to get you points. Uh, no, granted, he might not get goal line duty. I don't think anyone would fault them for pulling Henry, or I should sorry for pulling Lewis in in place, replacing him with Henry at the goal line. Uh, but Lewis is someone that I think is kind of come back time and time again. Here he's switching teams again, and he be- definitely had better success in New England than he did in Cleveland, but or Philly, sorry. But um, I, I just believe that he's going to get your yardage in receiving and rushing. And you got the offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur. He's supposed to be doing better things with that offense, uh, which I guess maybe won't be hard in some people's eyes. Uh, We're all waiting for 
Mariota to come around. Uh, I I don't know if Lewis will help him come around, but I think he's going to help their team, and uh, that's why I got him at seventeen. Yeah, I agree. He's going to help the Titans more, and he's going to help fantasy owners. I don't really like anybody in this tier. These all all these guys kind of scream meh to me. Uh, I believe the plan for Tennessee is to use Henry on the early downs on the goal line while Lewis gets the third down the two-minute drills. Lewis's health is another factor. He's missed 18 games over the last three years and has only played 16 games once last year in a contract year. And now that he's been paid, you know, he's not maybe as motivated to play through that nagging injury or whatever else. And the Titans might say, you know, he's dinged, he's dagged. You know, let's let's send him a game and just give Henry all the workload. Yeah, see, I, I don't know if I completely buy that. I think Tennessee is going to do just as close to a 50-50 split as probably any team has ever done because Deion Lewis was able to handle early down work for New England. Um, and Derrick Henry, like, I don't know why they pretty much, it seemed like they only ran him at the end of games last year. Um, and that might just be because that's where he got all of his yardage that it seems like to me, that's the only time that they ran him. But I feel like even though everyone wants to tout Derrick Henry as being the one, two, and then Deion Lewis being the three, Lewis actually was really successful with the Patriots on early downs and Derrick Henry, like he's just a bowling ball. So like I, I'm real nervous about how they're going to cut into each other's work there. So, uh, I mean, that's the, the reason I have, have them a little bit lower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you can't think of Deion Lewis without thinking of Derrick Henry. I mean, we've all seen the picture of those two standing, you know, side by side <laughs> and it's just like David Goliath or like, you know, you know, something big, something small, but you know, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, visually stunning picture i mean but um you know as far as the titans go i mean last year i mean they were an exotic poop show so i mean we can't really take too much of derrick henry's you know success or lack of thereof or you know lack of efficiency we can't really all the way hold that against them you know so i'm excited to see what they're going to bring this year and i mean you know it's just hard for me to kind of kind of figure out what how they're going to break down i mean it can be 50 50 or i mean you know Deion lewis can look like the guys look like for the Patriots. it's really emerging and, and you know be that efficient guy make making guys missing the hole and like really you know getting a lot of more carries than we think he's going to get because you know derrick henry might be the one that that takes a little bit of the back seat and you know gets those touchdowns but is more of a change of pace for Deion lewis that's you know that that's the upside with Deion lewis but you know, I mean, we can't really compare anything that happened last year because that was a, you know, a dumpster fire. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you that both Lewis and Henry, you could see either way with one guy, you know, getting a little more touch than the other one, or it could be a pure 50-50 split. The one thing I'll say about Lewis is, in New England, he never saw a stack box because of Brady. How hmm. many boxes are they going to see stacked with Marriott, especially given how he played in the preseason? More often than not. It's a, it's a different scenario for Lewis entirely because of the stacked box. But again, this can be 50-50, one guy, one week, one guy, the next week. And you're not going to start either guy with confidence until one guy separates from the other. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's use that as an opportunity to move on to the next guy. Uh, Lamar Miller comes in 20.1 consensus, 19th running back off the board. Uh, we all have, I mean, I have him about five spots higher than everybody else. 
And it's simply because I see him being the every down back in Houston. Uh, Dante Foreman, if it's not 100% official right now, looks like he's going to miss at least six weeks of the regular season. And that means Lamar Miller is going to be the only guy there for the first six weeks. And he's just going to be able to be the number one guy on a an offense that has a rushing quarterback that is high powered, that is going to be able to open up lanes. You saw that all last year when Deshaun Watson was healthy. And even though that offensive line was not good, it was very, very bad, actually very, very bad. Um, But he was still able to put in work and he's slimmed down to be lighter, stronger, faster. And, you know, by all accounts, he looks like he did when he was back in Miami when he really came on strong. Yeah, I mean, if I can jump in, uh, I mean, I have a long history with Lamar Miller. A few years back, I, I mean, I drafted him in the second round way before he was good, and I uh, followed that up by taking David Johnson. Uh, a lot of alcohol was involved. That's my second and third round picks, and I told everybody in the room that y'all just lost. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I looked like a complete butthole for the rest of the year. But, no, I mean, I just drafted this guy, uh, you know, in the sixth round today. So, I mean, we've made up. I mean, honestly, you know, nothing pretty about him. He has some speed. He's, you know, he's not really a great running back. He, you know, if he gets a hole, you know, he can run fast. And, and, and you know, he, and he's proven that he can take some of the workload. He's, he, you know, he's, he's handled it the last couple of years. And there's nobody behind him. I mean, he has a running quarterback, you know, keeping with this theme, you know, get guys, you know, attached to running quarterbacks because it, it matters. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as a running back, too, you can get him, you know, really down there, uh, you know, late in drafts. You know, he's g- going to be the guy that's not sexy. He's going to keep slipping and slipping. You know, if, if it's not Alex Collins, you know, Lamar Miller might be your next guy that you're going to be looking for. Yeah, I mean, we all am about the same, I guess, a couple people higher or lower, but – Usually a team that has a really good defense, their identity is get the ball back, run the clock. This is one of those few teams that they have a really good defense and they're probably going to try to, with Nuke, or Nook, I should Mm -hmm. say, we had a debate about that before. (laughs) They're going to try to air it out, especially with Watson coming back. I think that's going to only help Miller. Uh, Teams that are going to say, okay, we're going to stack the box and stop him because he's your only guy. They're not that kind of team. You do that, and you're playing with fire. So I think that'll only help him uh, with his carries. He's not going to need a ton. They can do something where Watson's going to probably have a couple designed plays, although if they're smart, they wouldn't really do too much of that. Uh, Making sure that their offense is scoring consistently. If they get down inside at the goal line, inside the 5, inside the 10, you're going to have some decent weeks from Lamar Miller. Even if he doesn't have an insane number of yardage, you might have, you know, 80 yards and two touchdowns and that's, I'll take that every week. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Lamar Miller at where he's going in drafts right now. Uh, you're getting a safe guy, usually late, usually a guy that can be your number two running back that sits kind of right in that RB two range. And you could be, you know, you could have a, you know, first round running back next three rounds, you know, top notch wide receivers and then get Lamar Miller there to be your second guy. Like I'm, I'm real happy if my draft shakes out like that. 
so let's drop down to the next guy. Uh, Jay Ajayi comes in at 20 on the, uh, sorry, 21 on the dot for consensus and the 20th running back off the board. Uh, Sigs, you got him at 18, which is the highest of us here. Uh, still liking Philadelphia's offense in 2018? Uh, I did because bef- uh, I had a lot of faith in Wentz. I-, I did before the preseason, and now they just look like a shell of what they were, and I wasn't expecting them. There's always the hangover after the Super Bowl. I wasn't expecting to come back at full force, but they just look kind of sporadic. I still like Ajayi, though. And at 18, I'm not taking him, you know, in the, as a running back one. I'm probably taking him as a later running back two here or mid running back two. I guess I haven't seen enough of Clement, who I like too, but they might be more of a committee, the dreaded committee and the running backs conversation. I do like him, though, from the standpoint of he has the body type. He's got some... Uh, short spurts, but over cer- certain games, he's been able to carry the ball, put up huge numbers. I don't wouldn't call him explosive, but he's shown he can do it. He's just got to string it together. I think with Peterson's offense so that they've got in Philly, the, he doesn't have to be a running back one. And most weeks probably doesn't have to be a running back two. But, I, I mean, I think that's where you're going to find him at the end of the year is his production is going to – I don't. I hate to say average out, but his production is going to be where he's going to sit in that running back two range, right outside of the twenties. And see, that's what scares me away a little bit is that guy that you know has enough games where he gets into that RB two range at season end um, rankings, but on a week to week basis, like you, you just don't know what you're going to get. And that Philadelphia, uh, that Philadelphia offense scares me with not knowing the health of Wentz. Like, he he looked good a few weeks ago throwing the ball, but now, you know, people are talking about him possibly ending up on the pup, which I don't think is going to happen. But if it does, that changes everything for that Philadelphia offense for me. I would agree. I mean, the, word, the thing I worry about Philadelphia is um, uh, they just – they just really spread the ball around. I mean, they go, you know, it, it, a lot of it depends on game plan. I mean, Zach Ertz is really the only guy that's, you know, super consistent on that, on that offense. All right, let's drop down. We should be able to do the last guy on this tier really quickly because we already talked about him a lot with the first guy on this tier. Uh, Derrick Henry comes in at 21.2, the 21st running back off the board. Uh, none of us are as high as uh, one of our other writers that has them at 15. I mean, I have them the lowest. I have them at 31, and that's mostly because I don't know what you're going to get out of Derrick Henry. I feel like everybody wants him and is anointing him as this first and second down and possibly third down back, goal line back, and you know, look at look at the runs that he had last year, and it's like, well, he got those runs in the final minute of games that were over when the defense was like, oh, he's still playing. That 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 gym class hero is is still working hard, huh? Oh, all right, whatever. Um, I mean, I've seen some of his runs against full on defenses where he looks really good, but. I just I can't put him in that RB two talk. I'm 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 not getting any shares of Derrick Henry because I'm not going to take him in the fourth or fifth round. 
I'd so much rather have a Lamar Miller or an Alex Collins. And I mean, those guys, you know, Alex Collins is going closer to like the third round. Lamar Miller's hitting like the fifth. Yeah. Uh, and you say Miller, I'm looking, I got Miller actually rated myself a little below a consensus. He was higher. Um, I think with their, and I, I said this before with their new coaching staff, they'd be smart to, to run the ball. Uh, you say, okay, tight end or sorry, touchdowns are what he might get that helps him become a running back too. Sometimes Tennessee's offense, you know, sputters before it hits the red zone. And I don't see Henry breaking a ton of them. I, I got him at 20. Maybe I should move him down, but I, I just, I don't think I'm going to draft him. I'd probably take some of the other guys around him for, from the consistency standpoint, uh, on a kind of, I'll bow it on this note here. The fact that maybe the only thing worse than, you know, losing your job to an injury is being anointed the one for lack of other people that are standing out. And that's kind of what Henry's been there the longest. Maybe the fact that, you know, the coaching staff doesn't have direct ties to him because they've changed over, but he's kind of been given it because they've got rid of anywhere, everyone else or everyone else has left. Lewis is there, but I mean, Henry maybe hasn't done enough to, to earn that starting job, but he's kind of the guy that's there and the big guy that's there. That's going to be the one that's counted on to be the running back one. I think that the thing that I uh, fear about Derrick Henry, and uh, I mean, you know, right now you're drafting him, you're, you're just drafting him because of the way he looks like when he gets off the bus, you know, I mean, you know, I, I fear that he, you know, he needs a little bit of uh, time to, you know, get ahead of speed to get to get to the hole. You know, I, I just worry that he might be like a, a more well-built uh, LeGarrette Blanc. Yeah, Henry has the highest upside amongst any of the guys in this group. But again, he also has the lowest downside. At his ADP currently in the fourth round, early fourth round, I'm not touching him. It's just too early of a risk. I'd rather have Collins a few picks late. I'd rather have Lamar Miller. It's just it's not for me. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement there that Henry has some upside, but where he's going, nobody's not, none of us are, are touching him there. Uh, all right, let's drop down now. We got a, a small little tier here uh, before we, we close things out with our top 24. Uh, we got Kenny and Drake coming in at 22.5 or 22nd running back off the board. Um, I mean, can you trust anything coming out of <laughs> Miami ever? Like, is that a thing? Can we, like Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake were listed as co-starters at one point. Like I, I just, I have no idea what's happening in Miami. We've used the phrase dumpster fire a couple of times. This is like full <laughs> on like garbage burning in a, like a, a full landfill. They are, fire. they are the gif of the rhinoceros pooing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Miami fans. Your city's awesome. I mean, I could talk about your city for, you know, 20 minutes just based on stories of people that have been there. You know, I, I got to go one day. But, you know, the, the football team, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Not so much. The Dolphins are a mess, to put it mildly. Adam Gase admitted that he listed Gore and Drake as co-stars just to piss everybody off. <laughs> I, I don't make anything of it. I'd be surprised if Gore is... You know the real start. He may be the de facto starter. And be I mean, the funny thing about Gore is that that they say they're doing it for the fans. Like none of the fans want to see this. <laughs> exactly. Gore may be the de facto starter where he's the first guy in the field and gets the first carry, but he might get only three or four more the rest of the way. It should be Drake. 
he is the more explosive, athletic, younger, better back at this point in his career. Once he took over as the you know starter, once a Jai got traded last year, his numbers across the board were better than Gore's. He was you know better yards per catch, catch better yards per carry, more total touchdowns, and his fancy points per game jumped up to over fifteen. When Damian Williams went out in Week Twelve of the year, Drake had a big run at the end of the year where he averaged seventeen a game and would have finished as the RB six over the whole year span at that point. In the preseason, Gore has one carry for negative two yards, while Drake is averaging 6.8. Again, it's the preseason. Everything changes when we get to the regular season. But if there's one player in Miami I'm willing to roll the dice on and say, you know what, they'll survive the dumpster fire, it's Drake. Yeah, and I mean, you you have them the second highest amongst all our writers at 18. There's one other guy that has them at 16. Uh, I have them at 21, and I, I, I want to keep putting Drake lower because like I just I just don't like Miami this year. Like it's kind of like LaShawn McCoy where like you you feel like you you can trust the guy's ability, you can trust his skill, you can like you trust that player, but just the team around them is just so bad. It just make it makes it so tough to be able to pull the trigger with that pick. Totally agree. I just think Miami's got a little less of a dumpster fire than Buffalo. I'll take Tannehill over Allen. I'll take Stills and Parker over Coleman and Benjamin. It's not by much, but just the tiniest bit. All right, let's drop down real quick to the next guy. Coming in 23rd running back off the board for us, 23.8, is Mark Ingram in New Orleans. He finished his, what, PPR back number six last year? and mm-hmm. drops all the way down to almost outside of the RB2s. You know, who who wants to start off with with Mark Ingram? I mean, if you can absorb the four-game suspension, you know, if you can you can come out of that 2 and 2, you know, for the rest of the way, you know, you could have a league winning back. I mean, you know, he 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 produces every time he's in the game and you know, it's going to be a almost split uh backfield with him and Kamara. You you go you 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 have you, you invest in one one of the best offenses in the league. I mean, it's been one of the best offenses of the league for the last ten, you know, multiple years. So I mean, you you're getting a piece of that pie, you know, but you have to you have you have to absorb that four game suspension. But the downside here's the downside. Downside one, you know, takes those four games and run. They 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 get opportunity in this juggernaut offense. You know, and they're just good enough, you know, to where, you know, um, the coaching staff, you know, is, is not quick to just give Mark Ingram his full share back. That's that's the one thing that that could hinder me from making for making that selection besides having the, you know, games. But um, I mean, you know, if he comes back and plays the way he has the last few years, I mean, you know, you can get that guy as your flex. And I mean, you're just murdering people in that position. See, my problem with your with that little piece you just mentioned is you're not trying to go for two and two because he's actually going to be out essentially until week seven because he suspended the first four games. The fifth game, he uh, had the possibility of coming back in, but who knows how much they're going to work him in. And then the sixth week he's on by, so you're really <laughs> hoping that week seven he comes in. So you're really m- more hoping for like a three and three start 
Um, and then hoping he comes back as, you know, that RB4, really just if he comes back as a, as a you know, RB1 and, you know, you're able to cut that, that six games to a three and three, yeah, that, that works out great for you. But that's a, that's a risky gamble. Talk about, a, talk about the long con. That's, Mark Ingram is the long con of, of this year. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, when you talk about the four games, then the week five and the bye, you're getting through halfway through your fantasy regular season before you see anything out of Ingram. So there is concern there. But to push back just a little bit, in 2015, we only played 12 games. He averaged the same fantasy points per game, 17, 17.4, as he did this year. Now, I know they don't have, they didn't have Kamara then, and Kamara's everybody's favorite thing, but he is still going to produce solid numbers. And even in 2014, where he only played 13 games, he averaged 15 fantasy points per game. Where Ingram should be able to make up the production despite missing conceivably half of your regular season is at the goal line. He was second in the league in rushing touchdowns and scored the second most fantasy points inside the five-yard line only behind Gurley. And while Kamar can handle in between the tackles and can make the tough runs, Ingram's probably going to have fresher legs at that point and be better off in that role. Yeah, wherever you get him, and regardless of scoring system, you have to look at what your team makeup is. And, you know, when you get him back, whenever that is, Ingram's going to play, you know, into week 16 and 17. You might be out by that. You might be eliminated. So it all is going to be, can you draft him and afford to get him at that price, whatever that price is? You know, maybe it is as a as a running back way down the line because people have forgot about him. Uh, if you're in an auction league, I mean, you can maybe pick them up and, and people aren't have going to fill their third running back or fourth running back and don't want to pay that for him. But whatever it is, you're going to have to look at your roster at that point during the draft and say, can I afford to have this guy and, and not have him for half the year and still be able to make the playoffs by, I don't want to say wasting, but using the draft pick on him, knowing you're not going to have him for half your fantasy season, regardless of when it is that he comes back. See, my hope for Mark, I have a, is the same as my hope for the next guy, um, at least to some degree. And that's that I don't have to use the pick in order to get him, but that I can trade for him right before he starts coming back or gets his real big kind of breakout game. Um, so for like Mark Ingram, I don't, I don't want to draft him, but come week, you know, four or five, Week five, he comes back, does nothing. He's got the bye week coming up. Don't worry, buddy. Let me get Mark Ingram and, you know, and I'll give you something else. Um, and the next guy on our list is Rashad Penny, who's dealing with some injuries out in Seattle, who, you know, <laughs> people think that he's going to be ready for week one. Everybody's hoping that that's going to be the case. But even if he is ready, he <laughs> might struggle – I mean, even Zeke, who I think everyone will agree Zeke is a better running back than Rashad Penny, struggled in his first couple weeks of the season. If I don't have to use my high draft pick on Rashad Penny, but can weasel something out of, you know, something out of, to get Rashad Penny for much less than his draft cost, that's that's really what I want to do. Um what what do you guys feel about uh, Rashad Penny? 
I totally agree with him and to a lesser degree, Ronald Jones. These are rookies that if you asked us, you know, six, eight weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, we would say they're their starter. They spent a high draft capital to get them. They're going to be the guy. And then for different reasons, Penny's been dinged and Ronald Jones has looked God awful. They have fallen back to the number two role and Carson and um, Payne and Barber have ascended to the number one spots. But I do want to bet you most of us, not all of us agree. They are not going to keep that job all year long. And like you said, if you can wait for Carson to kind of struggle out of the gate, doesn't really do well. Seattle has a tough matchup the first couple weeks against the run, I believe. You know, Carson struggles. They go to turn the penny a little bit. If you can buy low on him then, like we are talking about with Ingram, it's great value. I'm not going to draft him, but like you said, trade talks week three, week four, going to start targeting him then. Guys, anything you want to jump yeah. in with Rashad Penny? Go yeah, ahead. I mean, I could, I could, uh, I can uh, tell you my what uh, my uh, whole feeling on Penny is uh is I got a lot of Penny uh, drafted or a couple months ago I was drafting him you know aggressively in rookie drafts and uh, you know this whole Carson thing you know every single one of my friends has been taking a dump on me every single day with this Chris Carson mess over and over again you know um, Carson had one good game. I wonder if, I mean, he looks good now, but I mean, Penny was drafted to be, you know, the number one there, you know, the, you know, athletically, you know, he's, he's going to make, he's going to make a lot happen. Um, I'm just not sold on Chris Carson, honestly. You know, I I mean, you know, he he has to show me more. I mean, a guy that, that did nothing in college, you know, and was so crappy that he got drafted in the seventh round, you know, is going to Cinderella his way into a thousand yards this, what, this year. I mean, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, Chris Carson was a seventh-round pick, too. So, like, you know, not to put, again, not to put too much stock in draft capital or anything like that, but Rashad Penny, they went out and used that capital to get him, whereas Chris Carson, he doesn't he doesn't have that going for him. Um, I I, honestly, I don't want anything in Seattle. Like I've made it very clear that I think the Seattle run game is just, just god awful. Like last year, especially they their their entire rushing offense was four rushing touchdowns, and Russell Wilson had three of them. Yeah, other than one touchdown, Russell Wilson was responsible for all the Seahawks offensive points last year. It was not pretty. Yeah, like that that is that is just god awful. And yeah, Rashad Penny can ha- bring as much hype as he wants with him, but is their offensive line still going to suck? Yup. Yes. Are, are is Russell Wilson still going to take control and run and do his own thing? Yup. Like what what is going to be left over for running backs there? Mm, Not much. I, I don't I don't feel like much. Yeah, the the only thing that really helps uh, the Seattle team seem to figure out which running back they should be using has been injuries. Where one guy goes out, the other guy. Okay, yeah, you're getting more carries. You're getting the other seven that he had. And I mean, you look at Penny putting on this weight, which is awesome. But I always am leery when some guy puts a ton of weight on. And I'm not even talking about like PEDs or performance enhancing drugs or anything. But when you add so much weight all at once and your frame's not too big to begin with, I mean, he's not even six feet and he was 220 at the combine and now he's up to almost 
240. He's at 236, 237. Uh, that's not good. That stresses out your body. I know he's a young kid, but that's one of those things where uh, Seattle's high on the list of one of the teams where I just don't want to look at their running back stable and, and even have to pick them. I, I'd, I'd rather have someone else as a flex. And it's just, you know, it goes back to when they threw in the Super Bowl instead of running. It lost all confidence in my mind as how to run the football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if you're not going to trust Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line, yeah, yeah, I, I will forever question your coaching ability. Exactly. Uh, so, with that said, uh, Ben, why don't you lead us off with your lock for RB three? So, you, just so the listeners know what's happening now, this is a little bonus for you guys. We went through our top twenty four. Now, all four of us are going to give you one guy that is like our lock for an RB3. We think they're definitely going to be in that RB3 range. Um, And then we're going to give you a second bonus because we're also going to give you uh, a long shot guy, a sleeper guy that you need to keep your eye on because they're going late in drafts. They're being undervalued right now, and they could turn out to be huge for your fantasy team so ben why don't you start us off with your lock for rb3 okay well for rb3 i think i like marshawn lynch i mean you can look down the list and pick a guy right outside the top 24 uh, and i i did that i think in the wide receiver pod but this time i went a little bit further down maybe not a heck of a lot but lynch is the guy i want kind of because of the coaching change not only because of that, but because of that, Gruden seems to take his best running back and just run him into the ground. And I know here's some age on on uh, Lynch's tire tires that you're, but he, for anyone that watched the game, I don't know how many highlights they had of Lynch's run in the Detroit game, uh, but it was called back because of a stupid penalty. And it was just like he took off and he looked, I know it's preseason, but he looked rejuvenated. I mean, it was just like, holy cow, watching him just pull away from guys who are younger than him and had decent angles, and he just blew them away. So I don't know. I, I, have, a, I have a decent feeling that Lynch is going to be someone that, looking at the rest of the people around this running back three area, uh, I'm, I'm taking him because there's a lot of rookies in this range and people that you always seem to see running backs <laughs> have some kind of hammy injury or dinged up. And Lynch knows how to deliver a hit, for sure. We've all seen that. But, I mean, he's smart enough, too. If he can't outrun a guy, he he knows how to take a hit or he'll step out of bounds. And in this range, I guess I want a, a veteran as opposed to a running back. A running back might be more popular pick, but I'm going with Lynch and going all in with him on my lock as a running back three. Yeah, I I don't mind it because partly because Gruden is playing up the whole, we're going to go back to the 1990s football of just, you know, smash mouth, not exotic smash mouth. Cause that's just dumb, but just regular old smash mouth football. And there's no better running back for it right now than, uh, than Marshawn Lynch. Like he, that's what he does. Yeah. Um, Mike, you want to go next with your, Lock for an RB3? Sure. Real quick, though, about Lynch. I do like the pick of Lynch. I actually have him as the last RB2 because I don't think there's anybody in that team who's going to challenge him. And like you said, Gruden wants to go back to the 90s and run the ball and you know play ugly smash-mouth football. But yeah. my guy for RB3 lock is Duke Johnson. And 
Carlos Hyde got all the hype. He was a big free agent acquisition. Nick Chubb was a top 40 pick. He got all the hype. But people forget, Duke Johnson finishes the RB11 last year. Now, nobody expects him to do that again with all the new additions of Landry and Gordon coming back healthy and the two backs. However, he finishes a RB3 in 2016, and he finishes an RB2 late, granted, in 2015. And his role as the pass-catching third-down back is locked in stone. They gave him a nice contract extension this offseason. And while some say, oh, well, Hyde caught a career number of passes last year, he was the only guy in that backfield. As opposed to now, Duke, who caught, who had 93 targets last year, is clearly the better guy in that spot. So we'll see Chubb and Hyde duke it out for early down work, and eventually Chubb will take over, and Hyde will be kind of kicked to the curb. But Johnson has averaged five targets per game for his career, and that really shouldn't change this year, despite the addition of Landry and the new running backs. Yeah, I like the Duke Johnson pick there. Um, I mean, the fact that he finished as an RB1 in PPR last year, just to, to say that he's going to be an RB3 is a really safe pick there. Very true. Yeah, with that extension, they like him for the role that they're going to put him into. Exactly. People are going to say Hyde's going to cut into that. I, I'd be surprised if Hyde hits, you know, 33 targets this year, which was his career high until last year. I mean, Duke Johnson is cemented in that role, and Hyde's going to have to fend off Nick Chubb for his work. Yeah. Yeah, I think Hyde does fend off Nick Chubb for this year, but Next year, uh, gone. neither of neither Chubb nor Hyde is going to make any difference to Duke, uh, Duke Johnson's you know, play, yardage, receptions, just He's the way that Cleveland uses it. whole line is terrible. All right. Rocco, you're up. Who's your lock for an RB3? When I want to run it back three, I'm looking for a guy, you know, that can, you know, easily finish as an RB2, maybe even push for RB1 range. And uh, the best way you're going to get that guy is to draft somebody from this rookie class. I'm going to go with Royce Freeman. I think, um, you know, he's – Coming into a good situation, I mean, um, that pass back, back, uh, catching back guy, Devontae, whatever his name, Booker, I believe he is. I mean, I've seen him play. He's terrible. He's not going to get in Royce Freeman's way. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'd have to really research whoever's behind those guys. I mean, they drafted him, you know, high in the, in the first three rounds. You know, it's not a first or second round pick, but, that you know, third round capital – you know, when they don't have anybody there, that guy's expected to come in and be, you know, your 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 guy. He's and he's gonna be the guy. He's he's a huge guy. He's two hundred twenty nine pounds, six feet, so he can handle the workload. You know, he did a, he did real great things in college. He was he was amazing, and um, you know, he has a you know good speed. He's he's real good agility. I mean, if you have seen him play in the preseason, you've seen a little bit of that when you know he's you know, jumping out of tackles and running for touchdowns. Um, I, I think he's a lock. I mean, I think he really easily can slide into an RB2 role, you know, by uh, season's end. Um, my guy, you know, he's on an offense that's getting better, you know, I, and, I, and I'm going to take him. I think uh, Royce Freeman could be a steal in a lot of people's drafts. I think he can help you win a lot of games. Oh, I agree on Freeman entirely. Uh, I just have him as an RB2, actually. Um, people don't realize that C.J. Anderson last year was one of only nine running backs to finish the year with over 1,000 rushing yards, while Booker didn't finish in the top 50 running backs, while averaging only seven fantasy points per game. 
Freeman's looked good during the preseason. You're right, Booker is absolute trash. There's no reason why Freeman should not be that three down back from day one. And he could be a poor man's version of Kareem Hunt this year that just comes out of, I don't want to say nowhere, but slowly builds up during the preseason and then finishes as a top 16, 18 running back. Yeah, I think Freeman definitely has upside there because he should be the number one guy. And anytime you're the number one guy, you almost are a lock for uh, RB3 because there's only 32 teams and RB3 goes all the way out to 36. So my, my pick for RB3 is Jordan Wilkins. I really wanted to stay away from uh, my flowing Colts love for the 2018 season, but I, I just can't see another running back in the Colts organization being able to do really much of anything. And I think that offense is going to make, I mean, obviously a huge rebound just with the fact that luck is healthy, but luck being healthy opens things up for the offense there. Marlon Mack is already hampered with injuries. Naeem Hines is fumbling the ball, like walking down the, the street of the training camp. So Jordan Wilkins, he looks the part, he's running the part, and if he's running next to Andrew Luck throwing the ball, he's going to do just fine. Um, and, you know, Mack is a decent pick where he's being picked because sometimes he's dropping down to the seventh round or even eighth round. But Jordan Wilkins, you can get in like the 13th, 14th, 15th. I had a a recent 10 man draft that he didn't even get drafted in. So he's a, he's a guy that you can, you can get super late and should be an RB three. Yeah, I agree. Wilkins is the only Colts back. I'm even considering drafting. Mac is dinged up with an injury and is a question mark to play week one. And we know he has trouble staying healthy back to his days at UCF. Uh, like you said, Naeem Himes is fumbling the ball just after practice, going into the locker room, can't hold on to it. You know, Turbin, Christine Michael, I'm not buying any of that. I'll take Wilkins in the late rounds. Like you said, his ADP is phenomenal. And we'll watch him walk his way to an RB3 finish. Yeah, I got I to gotta watch on him in, in a couple of my leagues where – you know, one of my guys goes down early with an injury. If he's still there, he's one of the first guys I'm going to try to to hit waivers for. Yeah, I think he's if, if he's not somebody that you walk out of your draft super late on, he needs to be on your watch list. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, RB threes. Uh, sorry, that's our RB threes. Um, our long shots are sleepers. Um, why don't you go first, Ben? Okay. Um, I my long shot slash sleeper is so for a reason. Uh, I had written an article earlier in the year about buys and who you should buy at running back. And one of the guys I I believe in, and that's why I'm throwing one here now, is Aaron Jones from the Packers. Uh, what what might stop him from being someone that hits this year? would be Mike McCarthy thinking that he has to throw the ball all the time. Obviously with Aaron Rodgers, he probably should. But uh, Aaron Jones, when he was playing last year and given a shot, he averaged almost two yards a carry more than Jamal Williams. 
He averaged 1.7 yards more than Montgomery, and I know he's dinged up with something right now. Uh, it Some way this has to kind of clear itself up if you want to uh, take a look at Jones and have him on your roster. In my mind, the long shot sleeper is my my pick is someone you maybe wouldn't draft unless you got a really deep rosters for some reason. But if if McCarthy can get out of his own way and the running back by committee in Green Bay kind of works itself out, whether it's through injury, whether it's through uh, maybe they got injury at wide receiver and they got to put Montgomery at a wide out and play him there instead. Aaron Jones is someone that you should be able to maybe again, just watch for and, s- and swipe up when you see his opportunity come because with his two game suspension uh, in some ways I make marks in, in a, in a list and look for these guys and be like, okay, that's going to scare everyone away where it's Ingram's for four games and he's got his buy early. It's a little different with two weeks off. I mean, he's playing in the preseason. He looked explosive. His stats might not come out that way in the box score. He's quick. He's got a decent uh, build to him. He's only five, nine, but he's, you know, over, he's around two ten, probably two twelve. He's someone that I think could be good. The only problem in addition to McCarthy is he's not the best blocker out of their running backfield. And, and I mean, Aaron Rodgers can scramble, but one wrong hit and everyone's seen how good Aaron Rodgers is making everyone coaching staff roster in green Bay. Look. Yeah, I agree with you that Jones has some sleeper potential to him. Whoever can separate themselves in that Packers backfield has the upside that really finishes a low on RB two. My problem with Jones is he can't, he's battled injuries you know, he had the hamstring issue early in the preseason. He, you know, missed a couple games last year. Ty Montgomery's foot issue he suffered in the preseason is minor, but we know he can't stay healthy either. Um, of the three, I'd rather have Williams. I know he was the least productive in terms of yards per carry last year, but of the trio, he's probably the best in pass protection. He's the one that can stay healthy. And if he can come out during the first two games where Jones is suspended and start off hot, McCarthy may say, you know what? He passed blocks. He's doing well. Let's not upset the apple cart. He's the guy. But I do like Jones to some degree. Yeah, and I think Williams will get drafted. Jones won't. He could be someone you get later or waiver him. Williams will definitely go much higher. Jones, yes. you probably will get in the later part of the draft. Maybe he goes undrafted, but Williams definitely's ADP is far and away much higher. Yeah, he'll get drafted. Yeah, and I think you guys just touched on the two points that I was going to make about Williams being the guy that's probably going to be the safer pick. Uh, but Aaron Jones has all the the special ability to potentially be a breakout um, kind of guy later on in the season, depending on whatever happens with Green Bay. Because that Green Bay backfield, you know, minus Eddie Lacy, who who knows? Mike, who do you who do you have for your lunch? Uh, well, my uh, I wouldn't want, I don't want to call this guy a sleeper because I think he's well known, especially after he's playing the preseason thus far. And I've been on his, you know, bandwagon for years. But James White, well, you know, no respect. Everybody says don't draft the Patriots running back. It's playing Russian roulette. You don't want to deal with it. But White actually is sneaky good in PPR. Now, if you don't, you don't expect him to be your RB one, your RB two. Hell, even your RB three. But is that RB four when the bye weeks start to kick in? You got two guys on a bye, and you're like, I just need to get a solid nine, ten points out of him. He's your guy. Last year's the RB thirty-eight in PPR, averaging just under ten a game. He was the most targeted and had the most catches among Patriots running backs and finished fourth overall on the team. And we know they've lost weapons. Cooks was traded. 
Michelle's dinged. Burkhead's dinged. They lose their receivers daily now, it seems like, to cuts in retirement. And what I found interesting looking at White's stats over the last couple of years, he actually finishes as an RB1 or 2 more often than you think. Over the last three years, he has 14 such games as a top 24 guy, and then another 13 more as an RB3. And to put it in percentages for you, he finishes an RB2 or better in 32% of the time, an RB3 or better 61% of the time. So, again, when you're getting him as the RB41 according to uh, Fantasy Football Calculator in the ninth round, for me, if I'm getting him as my RB4 after having some you know, high upside guys in the first or second spot, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the New England backfield is just very questionable. And there's always going to be question marks there because you never know which guy is actually going to do it. Yeah, and what will have his games, you know, one or two times a year where Belichick will have some bug up his rear end and just say, you know, we're going to go somebody else. But given that Michelle's dinged and Burkhead's dinged, he might be the only healthy guy come week three or four. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. And honestly, I think James White deserves to have an RB1 season after he was robbed of the MVP uh, <laughs> in Super Bowl, whatever that was against it's the Falcons. <laughs> They always give it to the quarterback. just how it works. You yeah. don't deserve two MVPs either, but we won't get down that road. Yeah. Well, White had 14 catches that one. I mean, he helped Brady get those stats and do the comeback. He had two rushing touchdowns too. So, Very true. And then right after that, they gave him that big contract extension, especially for the Patriots. So they are firmly committed to White. And that's why I think he's the best bang for your buck in terms of ADP value because you know he is going to be involved in the offense no matter the situation. Yeah, less likely to fumble too, which is the quickest way to piss Belichick off. Exactly, and that's Michelle's problem. Yeah. All right, Rocco, you're up. Well, my sleeper is going to be Chris Thompson. I mean, he was one of the, um, you know, he's one of those satellite backs um, that you can get late in drafts. I mean, you know, I'm a little worried about his his injury status, but uh, once he comes back in, I mean, they have a bunch of bums, you know, literally as the first and second down guys there. So, I mean, I don't, I don't see much success out, out of those guys at all. I, th- I think that team's going to be in a bunch of third down situations. Um, and I think um, Chris Thompson is a guy you can get late. Um, he, and he's got definitely, you know, somebody that you can put in as your flex, you know, more often than not. My only concern with Thompson is reportedly he's not – fully confident cutting on that leg and he himself has said he's not sure if he's going to be healthy until really November and I agree with what you said that they don't really have much ahead of him so they may force him back earlier than he's really ready he's clearly the only pass catcher they got in the running back spot so that's good for him but again I'm a little I moved him down with the report that he may not be fully healed till November that that scares me that he's still not confident cutting on that leg yeah, and I yeah, think that if he's not healthy, then I'm going to look like a real idiot on that sleeper pick. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's football healthy, which means that you always have a little nicks and bruises and dinged up a little bit. Um, he's still going to start week one. He's still going to play, you know, all the way through the entire season unless he gets some kind of serious injury. Um 
But the, the mental aspect of it is what's a little concerning is that he's saying it himself that like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be ready. I don't know about this. And so much of so much of football is a mental game. Like you lose sight of that when you, you know, you see these just physical specimens out there playing a game. But the mental aspect of it of, you know, do do I feel confident enough to make this move? And for a guy like Chris Thompson, he needs that because that's how he gets his extra yards. Um, but I, I actually, I like the pick. I, I think there is a little bit of concern there with his, with his health. But if he does what he did last year when he had, you know, just a handful of games, but those handful of games were almost guaranteed wins because you got a guy pretty much for free dropping you know 20 to 30 points yeah he was on his way to an rb1 finish similar to like duke johnson before he got hurt my concern is you know he's if he's not 100 healthy now before even playing in the preseason you say he's got you know football healthy he's nicked he's dinged for a guy who's always been injury prone how many more nicks and dings he have to take before he breaks something and is done for the year yeah i mean that's that's the concern with chris thompson always though you know, like you, you almost draft him knowing that, like, he, you're not going to get a full season out of him. Right. Yeah. Their doctors must know, know that he's okay, you know, like injured versus hurt. Injured, you can, you can, you're on the pup list or you're out hurt, you can still play. I mean, they had the chance to put him on the pup list. November, you know, they, he could have been on that six week pup list and they chose not to. So and that was before the other injuries they had. So. Yeah, he'll play, just won't be very efficient play probably. Yeah, if they can design routes, you know, where he's going to the sideline and stepping out, not taking a full hit from a linebacker or a defensive lineman. Yeah, he 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 might actually turtle up if he he gets that play called where he's supposed to go across the middle and you know, that play where you know that he's going to get hit by somebody coming coming across the field whether it's a safety or a linebacker you might you might see him turtle up a little bit in the beginning of the season just trying to protect himself but uh all right let's move on my long shot uh you know what this is for you mike this goes to our bet (laughs) alfred morris i'm leaving now (laughs) is my long shot you leave in disgrace sir uh no alfred morris is my long shot because he is damn near free and he is one of those guys that is just a serviceable back he is kind of he's kind of like the the frank gore but he's actually going to an offense on the rise whereas frank gore went to the colts when andrew luck was you know just not there and then he went to Miami, and we've already said Miami is just a complete dumpster fire, whereas Alfred Morris is going to a team where their offense is up and coming. you got a young quarterback that, according to the quarterback, is better than Tom Brady. So, hey, let him rock out like that. You have some decent wide receivers that look pretty good out there. You have Kyle Shanahan, who... Everybody wants to, you know, anoint him as the the running back coach of all time. Why would you not like Alfred Morris in this situation? Like, I'm I'm ready for some home runs in the end zone. 
as a Redskin fan, I have a, you know hidden love for Alfred Morris, all those great years he gave the Redskins. But and I agree with you that at his ADP, which is you know not even drafted, he's worth a grab and you know super deep bench leagues or whatever else. Um, but I'm just not to delay on the point, you know, lay on the point again. But it's like I'm just not convinced. First off, he's a guarantee to make the roster, and second off, he's going to take over the seven and a half million dollar per year running back. I mean, if, if Morris was you know super talented, and all of a sudden just now got signed, that would concern me. And the fact that he just now got signed to his former coach after underperforming in Dallas, I, I'm just not seeing it. Alfred I, Morris started the most recent preseason game. And against first team offenses, first first team defense, first team offense, and he's ripping off like ten yard runs. Uh, like he's he uh, either he is decent or that offensive line is decent enough to create that kind of movement. And it, and it, and if it's that offensive line, maybe I'll bump Jarek McKinnon up a little bit more because even he can run behind that. <laughs> Yeah, hey. I'm gonna have to go back and look at the uh, the game itself and see if it was the line or Morris. If it was Morris, well, I might look like a fall on our bet here. But uh, I'm just still surprised that that this late in the season, he just now got signed to a connection he had with his former coach, and it's just let's see him make the roster first. That's that's the first thing. Morris was successful when he had a running quarterback, which you know Grapple he doesn't have, and and, uh, and he's washed by the way. So you know, if nobody knew he's he's definitely done. He's also a lot older than you realize. He's almost thirty, and that's Dude. okay. That's okay. He 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 doesn't need to be. He it's a jag. He he doesn't need to be awesome. He needs to be a guy that you can plug in at certain times, and he'll he'll help you out. Like he he might be that guy that you get. You know, like you said, he's undrafted. Right before week one starts up. McKinnon's still out for week one. You pick him up. He helps you win that week. You, you got know, an argument he, there. He, he's a guy. My long shot is a guy that I'm, I'm not planning to use every single week of the year. He's a guy that I'm going to, I'm going to keep, you know, always on my watch list, maybe on my bench, knowing that the rest of San Francisco's running backs, at least in my opinion, are trash. And not not top notch running backs. So, it, uh, if he beats out Breida for the number two job, whether it's in preseason or after the first couple of weeks or whatever, you'll have me more interested in convince them. But right now, as long as he's the de facto three with Breida and McKinnon both hurt, uh, I'm just not buying it. Right, maybe maybe I'll, give, maybe I'll give you an out of the bet around week two or three. Then, all right, we'll talk then. <laughs> Season end injury is the only way that that he's gonna beat out Burita Alfred Morris. I will have to see about that. But anyways, that wraps up our running backs episode. That is all four of our four part mini series. Um, really looking at literally every position, going through our rankings. It's been a blast for me. I want to thank everybody that's been on any of the roundtables here, especially the guys that uh, really solidified everything for us towards the end here. Sigs, Rocco, Mike, appreciate everything. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night. Night. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.